I'm a fish boy who skates for Team X Blades with a leprechaun Who plays basketball, come to my smart house Meet my alien sister, don't come hungry Because I'll bet my mom can't Hello and welcome to Mum Can't Cook, a DCOM podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sandy Farrant, and fellow citizens of the podcast galaxy, I do not belong on this podcast. I belong on one with some prestige, maybe on Radio 4 or something. So please, if you can hear me, you must save me. Take me away from all this. Commode and Mayo or, or a second film podcast. I don't know any others. Andy, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. My mind right now is flooding with exciting improv potential to sort of further this bit. I was yeah, I was doing a can of worms bit about yeah, no, I was, sending, I, I, I was sending out a message into the galaxy. Like I loved uh, it, but in fact, can we can we cut the music, please? Stop the music. Hello, it's the other host, Luke Westaway. Um, Here come the jokes. I j- no, I just I want to start this podcast on a war footing. Oh, all right, you want to okay. you want to create an angry. I want energy to create yes. I want to create for the, a, okay for the a, fun comedy podcast. So, yeah, okay. I want to create an atmosphere that is confrontational but mm-hmm. defensively confrontational because because we did not fire first <laughs> we are we have done nothing wrong and yet we, we are, are oppressed under, we are under attack by michael mouse we are under attack by michael mouse okay if you missed this podcast listener disney has in its infinite wisdom seen fit to remove from disney plus its expensive streaming service that is mm. available globally it's seen fit to remove a great deal of content uh in the emir region which is europe the middle east and africa now mm-hmm. yeah disney plus being a global service i don't know why they thought that only america deserved to have this specific bits of content that they've removed i don't know we can't scry their minds all i know is that i'm here in the united kingdom and suddenly i'm completely bereft of disney channel original movies on disney plus yeah you can see that you can see the list of things that have gone um and it does feel weirdly targeted yeah yes because it's pretty much all all the decoms They've, All of the iconic decoms. Some are left. Some are left. Johnny Tsunami's still there. The, the it's ones, so yeah, the random ones that as well. are left are the ones that they forgot. The ones that they missed. They don't even care enough. <laughs> To, to delete to, all of them. To delete all of them. They just did like, oh, di- uh, didn't we make decoms? Um, let me remember which ones. Uh, I think Can of Worms, something about a cook-off. Yeah, get rid of them. Xenon. Yeah. I remember Xenon. My, yeah, get rid of them. Xenon is gone. Xenon is Brink gone. Brink is gone. Brink is gone. Horse Sense and Jumping Ship, Horse. both gone. Oh, they're gone. They are g- Brink is gone. I can't stress this enough, people. Brink. Brink. Brink has fallen. Um, this is the most shattering attack that the United States has made against On- Britain <laughs> since the USS Constitution fired into HMS Guerriere. I was just about to say that. Yeah, it, well, exactly. Rippling yeah. broadside after rippling broadside into HMS Guerriere. And you, do you know what that did? It, it, it destroyed the myth of British naval superiority engineering superiority, discipline superiority, and this attack, and I don't use the word attack lightly, but that's what this is, so it is no less shattering to the national identity. Because I thought 
But it doesn't matter that I'm here in Britain. I thought maybe I could still enjoy Disney Channel original movies and partake in the popular culture surrounding them. I thought I could do a podcast about it, but I suppose Disney feels differently. I suppose another possibility is that they were hosting Brink.mp4 <laughs> around the world and absolutely no one was watching it. And they thought, well, this is an easy call to save. You know when you have to do a free up hard drive space? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, let's just, yeah, let me just drag Brink into the recycle bin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, just we'll get rid of Brink.mp4. But look, um, but they, we, but they, we, we ha- pay more yes. for Disney Plus than American people do. What do we? Well, yeah, it's $7.99 a month oh. in the US and £7.99 a month in the UK. That's horrible. I know. What you've done, Disney, is horrible. Um, now, I know what you're thinking. Is this the end of Mum Can't Cook? Ne- nearly. I said, <laughs> I said, I said, let's pack it in. I said, Andy, I can't continue. Andy yeah. talked me around. Luke, yeah, Luke sank to his knees like, <laughs> yeah. in platoon. Yeah. And he, he went, I am defeated. Yes. I have been defeated. By After Disney. about five days, I left yeah. my catatonic state and mm-hmm. found Andy at my bedside. He'd never left. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was sending out a message to Mark Kermode, and <laughs> Mayor, saying, please saying, take me away from all saying, this. Kermode, yeah, it's happened. <laughs> Just as you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down to the number of days and everything. <laughs> and we're yeah. still on for our deal. You can fill in. Need some, you get, that, get Mayo out of there. Simon doesn't need to know. Kermode and Farrant. <laughs> Well, that Farrington, actually has a nicer ring. That has a, mode. has a better ring to it than yeah. Westaway and Mayo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, Look, what Disney point, has done is unconscionable. Yeah. We're but not, the point but is, we're, we're not, not stopping. We're not. We're not stopping. No. And we're going to. And we're going to fight this. And Andy yeah. and I talked about how the best the best way to fight this. And we've come up with the following solution. We've come up. With, we've come up with a good hashtag. <laughs> oh no what we've done is come up with a bad hashtag <laughs> okay so the hashtag is bring back brink hashtag bring bring hashtag hashtag bring, hashtag bring back brink hashtag bring brink bronk hashtag bring, okay here's what i want you to do listener i want you to message disney or disney uk on your social media platform of choice and i want you to tell them that they should bring back brink and the other decoms and i want you to use a hashtag that is not bring back brink but is a bit similar because it's much funnier to me to imagine <laughs> disney being bombarded with different hashtags confusing different hashtags Confu- yeah. brink 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 so, oh back, my god! Back, bring. It's not. It won't do anything, but it'll make us feel better. It will. It's a funny idea to me. If like two or three of you out there tweet at Disney, if a, if say, a social media intern gets mildly annoyed, yeah, yeah. Oh well, now I feel bad. I feel bad. Look, and can I just apologise to the social media people at Disney? You didn't ask for this. I'm sure yeah. if it was up to you, Brink would be on the homepage every day worldwide. It's wild. I was just at the Disney 100 exhibition yeah. in London where they were showing clips of Xenon talking about their great legacy of television movies. Well, what they must have done, Andy, is not realised that the Disney 100 exhibition was going to be in Europe. Mm. Because if they had, it would have just been a locked door yeah. with um, <laughs> a furious photo of Michael Eisner on the front. It would have unleashed a rippling broadside <laughs> from the, what was it, the ship? The, the USS, USS Constitution. Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. They've got a drone called that now. <laughs> oh, damn. Just flies by. And USS now stands for you suck suckers. 
yeah. So, so yeah. Um, uh, so, Can of Worms was one of them. It's gone now, and yeah. Well, look, now. look, the, in Emia. the the battle is it's not making Emia angry. Yes. <laughs> look, listener. In the unlikely event that our grassroots campaign to bring Brank Bronk <laughs> doesn't change Somehow. minds, doesn't change minds at Disney HQ, yeah, you always have the option of a VPN. We have mm-hmm. one that we prefer. Wait for the sponsor messages to find out which one. Yeah, uh, a recommendation. Recommendation, and dare I say it, a code. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, we we have to we have to do what we can. Do what we can. Speaking of can. Do you, no, that was a good. That was a good. Yeah. Transition. Yes, but no, but 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 I was. Uh, it's probably well, not as good as what you were going to say. No, I was just gonna. I was. I'm trying to get into the mindset of the Disney people who would take these decoms away, and I'm thinking, well, maybe. Yeah, but but the problem is, Andy, you're an em- you're an empathetic human with feelings and kindness. Mm. Yeah. You like Brink. True. When you saw Brink, you said. I want to make a podcast so everyone knows about so Brink. Everyone knows about Brink. But maybe... They've done the opposite. Well, how do we know this isn't an altruistic act? What if Euro- European teens, specifically, yep. were all rollerblading <laughs> into the sea or something? <laughs> and it was a direct correlation. You think the United States made the unilateral decision that Europe can't handle Brink? <laughs> they can't handle Brink, yeah. Because... Yeah, maybe they heard about... A Mon bunch Kong of Italian Kong. teens. Yeah, they're like, oh man... Did a Christ yeah. air into the sea. Yeah, exactly. If you go to Spain, they're all dressing like Xenon now. Well, you know how I... And m- do you know my- what's still there? Halloween Town. <laughs> Bloody Halloween Town that's, is still there. That's how you know it's... That's it's how not you a know quality issue. That's how you know it's not a quality issue. I thought maybe it was a simple rights issue, but we just covered the one where they removed the licensed yeah. song Secret Agent Man, but didn't... <laughs> <laughs> With the amount of care of someone performing back alley dental surgery with a masonry drill. What is going on over there at Disney HQ? Okay, okay. Well, the, the, other- so the other me was re- re- was removed, right? We we yeah. decided because yeah. it was too close to the US cloning program oh, on that episode. So okay. maybe there's something in these decons. Yes. The United that, States military is about to unleash yeah. a wave of genetic rollerblading soldiers. Yeah, they don't, want, they don't want America's enemies, which I assume is us now. It's, well, oh, well, clearly. Clearly, clearly yeah. Clearly, because they clearly left off Halloween this naked town. act of war. Yeah. Yeah, they don't want us finding... Okay, so look to the... Yeah. Look to the, <laughs> look to the borders and see if <laughs> Eddie dogs are... Poisoned Eddie into, dogs? Yeah, poisoning the, shipped in. our troops. I don't yeah, know. Exactly. Open all the shipping containers at the Motocrossed ports. Motocrossed is gone! What? Oh, that one hurts. I know. Motocross and Brink are my two favourites, and they're both gone. Both gone. Not a, not even a warning. <sighs> not hey, like leaving Disney Plus in a few days. You know, sometimes you get that leaving Netflix soon. Wait, here's a theory. They want Europeans to move to America. Okay. They don't know about VPN technology, and they think if they remove Brink, because right, because <laughs> if I moved to America, I could watch Brink all day and night. Yeah, I don't know if you've been. Watching the American news regarding immigration lately no, seems why? like a, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Have presidential candidates been saying that they would really like a lot of Europeans to move here and enjoy Brink? Is that the gist? Not, not quite the tone, I don't think. Oh, okay. Maybe they just want Europeans to be uh, demoralised so our economies will slump. Well, mission f- accomplished uh, is all I can say. You know, yeah. 
yeah. I won't be spending. I won't be spending money on rollerblades, thus stimulating the economy. Yeah, yeah. I won't be. What else is gone? I won't. Well, I won't be. I just. You know what? I just won't be having any fun in my life. <laughs> that so weird is still there. Thank Christ. Uh, but but I honestly I think that's because they've forgotten about it. Yeah. 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 And they don't no have one... the password. The password to the <laughs> the Pentium <laughs> PC that has so weird dot. Yeah, AVI so weird dot MP4. Yeah, <laughs> underscore not final. <laughs> underscore not final. <laughs> underscore re-edit this completely. It's an old yellow CRT <laughs> monitor and tower in the back of a long abandoned office. It's Fee's actual laptop. <laughs> okay, look, we're going to talk about Can of Worms now, which we right. have viewed because Andy and I both travelled to America. Um, yeah. We both the flew day. there to watch Can of Worms. And we then flew, we flew yeah, there. we flew in, watched Can of Worms, glared everyone yeah. for their crimes, and then <laughs> and then came home. So can where of worms. the prime minister shook us warmly by the hand and said, "I'm so sorry for what's happening to all of us." <laughs> yeah. So Can of Worms. Yeah. Let's, we continue. We continue. We persist. Let's hear from our hated enemies, Disney. <laughs> oh, that felt good. Yeah. Saturday, April tenth. It's the world premiere of a Disney Channel original movie. For Mike Pillsbury, life on planet Earth has never been easy. You idiot, you're running the wrong way! So he sent a call for help into outer space. Fellow citizens of the galaxy, I do not belong on this planet. Come and get me! Little did he know who'd show up. I am Barnabas from the star system Puppies. Oh boy. I am the bull. How do you do? Matt Pillsbury, you have opened up a can of worms. I never thought the thing would work. Now, the most popular kid in the world. More and more specimens will be snatched. As the biggest problem in the galaxy. Is everything all right? You look stressed out. On April 10th, lock your doors, hide your food, and be careful what you wish for. I can't just take off on a, a spaceship. I freaked out at sleepaway camp. Can of Worms, a Saturday premiere of a Disney Channel original movie. April 10th at 7, 6 Central, only on Disney. So, Can of Worms. Luke, any any thoughts on this movie before we kick off? I think it's a tricky one. Um, I f- gross. It's so gross, <laughs> rash, uh, really disgusting. Yeah. I think it goes really far beyond what you would expect in terms of gross outness. Like I know it's a kids' film, and it's like kids love gross stuff, and they like mm-hmm. slime and dirt and mud. And I understand that. I find slime and dirt and mud to be enjoyable in some capacity. But my god, this is—it's just too far. The aliens are all very unlikable. Yeah. I think even the mm-hmm. one, even the single alien that's sort of supposed to be friendly gets on my wick a little bit. But that's this said, is the first decom to get a PG rating. Really? Yeah. Wow. I assume uh, because it's so gross. Because it's so foul. But that said, it's a relatively straightforward story that manages not to trip over itself too horrifically. Yeah. I think it's you know it, it's pretty decent. I think that there's a nice thing in this movie about getting a gang together like getting mm-hmm. a gang of all of your friends and also of your enemies sort of together to to defeat a, a, I don't know, it's just yep. a stupid alien <laughs> there's some really good um puppeteering in it some really good puppets and puppetry work well you know if you're i that. mean yeah there's they like, are there's, gross there's but they're well done yeah it's technically impressive but it's 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 a mistake it shouldn't have happened oh yeah for sure it would be like every, if, yeah, every be like puppet if there in this a, film has horrible human teeth and it's, yeah. it's so unnecessary. Yeah, it would be like if there was a bit in The Muppet's Christmas Carol where Kermit uh, amputated his own legs 
and, <laughs> and cooked and ate them and you it's, saw everything and it's like well that's really impressive puppetry because i don't know how they've done that it's more like if in oppenheimer there was just a bit with puppets for no reason <laughs> and the puppets cut their legs off and it was gross like, well yeah i get that it's impressive puppetry but i'm here to watch christopher nolan's masterwork yeah exactly it would be like in the dark crystal if the skexis had an orgy and it's like well this puppetry is, is <laughs> this puppetry is incredibly impressive but i don't think this should have been i don't think, I don't think this should, this should have, have been filmed happened. i don't yeah. think this should have been made yeah if it was just puppeteer horseplay on set turn the cameras off and don't put it in your finished film. <laughs> we accidentally put the puppeteer horseplay. <laughs> so, okay. can of worms. Can yeah, of worms. It, we open up on a, there's a storm. Lightning is flashing. Yes. Uh, someone has a big satellite dish in their yard. They run out with some sort of machine. They're dressed like Jonathan Harker from Dracula for some reason. <laughs> yes, yeah, like a dress shirt and tie. Yeah. It's a young man. Uh, his name is Mike. He puts on a headset, he connects a laptop to the satellite dish and he he prepares to press send and then he makes the following address. Fellow citizens of the galaxy, I do not belong on this planet. I am one of you. I am being held against my will. My potential to realize a happy and fulfilled life nullified by the ignorant and cruel indigenous population of Earth. You must save me. Take me away from this. Desperately in need of your assistance. Mike Pillsbury. Mm. So as you can hear, uh, it's a sort of like whine about how everyone on Earth is ignorant and cruel and he but, doesn't belong yeah. here. This is what happened before you had like subreddits. <laughs> like, yeah. This is what had we had sort of... before, am I the asshole? You had to sort of send yeah. a message to space. You just had like... to howl into the abyss. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. before you had message boards, you had to be like, no one at school likes me. <laughs> to an alien. <laughs> to an alien. And yeah. well, you need to build a satellite dish and that gets struck by lightning. Mm-mm. Yeah. But, so um, yeah, this this happens. He uh, The lightning strikes the satellite dish. He says, yes, yes, come and get me. It fades to black. And then we get the title card two weeks earlier. So mm. we're not going to find out what that's. Something truly earth-shattering and soul-destroying must have happened to this Mike Pillsbury. Yeah, I mean, what could cause a boy to abandon his home planet? Mm. Something um, huge. I something mean, he must got- have committed either the gravest <laughs> sin or had the gravest sin committed to him. Or both. Or both. Yeah, yeah. to want to leave the planet. It must yeah. be huge. We'll find out. I actually think it's pretty good cold open, though. Yeah. I, I You know, normally when a DCOM does any kind of framing device, I hang my head to try and explain it but this is i think this is pretty neat two weeks earlier and now we you know now now we we, oh something something big must happen to mike let's find out how we get there so we cut back to mike two weeks earlier in his treehouse he's doing a dramatic reading of his comic book can you imagine anything worse to his friend (laughs) nick and nick's younger brother jay yeah Uh, nick is gilbert from under wraps of course and uh, also appeared in um goosebumps Goosebumps escape from horror from horrorland Yes. Which, uh, yeah, you could watch a video of Luke and I playing that on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so the comic is about an alien people called the Hansels. <laughs> yeah. The Hansels enjoy a peaceful life with no They're war. A peaceful folk. A pe- the peaceful Hansels. <laughs> the peaceful Hansel folk. I would, I, would say that, I would say that the story Mike has written about the Hansels is troubling, to say the least. One day, the Jongs attacked... Mm. Um, Mike hits his laptop 
uh, brings up a PowerPoint presentation of concept art of this story. Um, it's a horrible <laughs> I think this story. Is concept art. I think this is the finished product. Oh, okay, fine. It's a it's a horrible story about dying alien children. Yeah. Um, the small boy says, uh, "This is too sad." It gets worse, says Mike, our hero. <laughs> uh, the um, story continues. A father alien is murdered, <laughs> and then a baby alien is about to be killed. Yeah. Um, Gilbert from Under Wraps tells Mike to knock it off. Yeah. But Mike continues. Uh, Jay, the little boy, screams, yes, save the baby. Please let them save the baby. His eyes are wide with fright. Uh, then the Jongs appear to, to to kill the mummy Hansel and her baby with a, with a Jong gun. <laughs> well, they don't get the baby because the baby is placed into a space pod and sent to Earth to be raised as an Earthling, which is exactly the origin story of Superman. So Mike's... <laughs> Story horrible story isn't even original. Yes, but does the origin of does the origin story of Superman go into such explicit detail about the wholesale slaughter of the Kryptonians? I mean, not initially. I'm sure they've done it since. Yeah, probably since. But like you know, the first few issues of Superman are like, <laughs> and then they and then they shot the mum, and then the dad was like, no, but they shot the dad. They shot the dad and stamped on him, and then they stamped on the baby a bit. Everyone's like, wow, Mike, you sure are a compelling and <laughs> non-troubling storyteller. Yeah, everyone is always enraptured by his horrible stories. Yeah, about the Hansel, the murder of the yeah. Hansels. So then he so. started cutting the Hansel with a big knife. <laughs> oh, go on, Mike, this is good. Go on, Mike, this is all good stuff. <laughs> Contact Marvel, I'm sure mm. they'll snap this up. So he'll he'll never really feel at home, says Mike, um, about this Hansel baby. Um, but... But with we, a face that, with a face that sort of says that he, it's clear that Mike is thinking about himself and yeah. thinks that he maybe is an alien. The no. music also goes very, very overwrought. There's mm. the music all through this film is very overwrought, causing causing a lot of unintentional hilarity <laughs> um, at key moments. Uh, but yeah, he says that this baby Hansel will never feel like this is the place he was meant to spend his life. Nick, his friend, says, "Look, Mike, you take this being weird thing entirely too seriously." Uh, which is correct. I would leave this friendship, but Nick doesn't. <laughs> um, let me just quickly do find and replace in my notes. Um, I'm going to replace Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> no! So with let's, Nick. Just, let's just do Gilbert. Uh, no, Andy, don't press a thing. I'll re- find and replace. <laughs> Edit. Find and replace. Leave this all in. <laughs> find Nick, replace with Gilbert. Yeah, replace there all. Good. Okay, we're ready to we're ready to go. Cool. So Gilbert from Under Wraps tells him to knock off his horrible story and that he's normal, a normal human boy. From outside, his dad calls. They've got to get to the field by four. Uh, Mike reveals that his dad was on the team when he was a kid. So once again, we're getting a overbearing dad trying to get his son to do sports story. Yes. Standard decom. Yes. Uh, Mike tells Gilbert that he doesn't actually want to go, but apparently his dad thinks it'll be good for his character. And we cut to Mike's head being slammed hard into a flooded football pitch. Yeah. Smash cut to him getting smashed and cut. (laughs) Smash cut to him being killed. Yeah. Another player yells at him. uh, They got a first down, he says, which... It's presumably terrible Presumably a bad, a bad thing. Um, a bigger kid grabs him and screams at him, nice defence. Yeah. Um, which is harsh. We see some cheerleaders in slow motion. Mike stares at one of them creepily. Yes. Um, for, for you, the cheerleaders are a lost cause, says the mean player. Um, so Mike leaps to catch a, a long ball. He intercepts, but having caught it, he doesn't know what to do with it. And we get some light physical comedy as Mike starts running down the pitch. But then when confronted by enemy 
team team people <laughs> starts starts running. Wow. The, it's like the, the Super Bowl play by play. <laughs> Enemy team people confronting. And, and he goes the wrong way. And he starts running the wrong way down the field. His family are visibly confused and disappointed. You idiot, you're running the wrong way, shouts a big strong lad. Yeah. Then Mike spins around to find many more enemy boys who are there and they hurt him badly. <laughs> he gets confused and knocks himself out on one of his own teammates. Yeah, um, when, he, when, when this happens, he sort of spins and slams into the camera in a way that doesn't seem to be on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like... It Leave might it be in. a filmmaking trick, but it just looks like... They assaulted this boy with a camera. Yeah, Mike didn't know where the camera was going to be. and still <laughs> his head into it. So Mike is slammed agonisingly to the ground. Yeah, in his concussed haze, he sees space. And then the Jong leader leans over him, shining a light in his face. They want my brain, he shrieks. Um, <laughs> and it is revealed that it's a doctor shining a flashlight in his eyes. He's fine, says the doctor. I don't uh, know. Against all evidence to <laughs> the contrary. Imagine you're the doctor. Oh. Boy's gone down. Looked like yeah. a big one. I better get my little briefcase with my lights and my stethoscope my in. Light. Yeah. Okay. Well, he's unconscious. Um, Bad stuff. Oh no, no, he appears to be coming to. No, no, he's screaming now. They want my brain. They want my brain. Mm. Well, the golf links stretching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send him back into the game. I would. <laughs> yeah, I think we've seen. I, I think another the thing is he's had a knock to the head. It's broken his brain. What he needs is another knock to the head in the opposite direction. <laughs> well, the brain's already broken. That's the thing. Yeah, you, you know what? If you've got any more broken, you've got someone with a broken brain. You may as well send them in. Yeah, yeah, in for a penny. Exactly. Let Mike CTE. do all of the most dangerous footballs. Yeah. yeah, CTE. If you ask me, that stands for cool times everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Says the doctor. Yeah, as drives he, away on as his he golf drives cup. away. His golf clubs jangling in the boot. Yeah. So his his family surround him. His sister is trying to get his CD collection because he's died. Um, but his mum and dad are saying how proud they are of him. Um, Mike is still dazed on his back. No one's giving him the medical care he so desperately needs. Yeah, the mum and dad, they, they sort of give him like an encouraging bollocking. They're like, we're proud mm. of you. Now get back out there and learn from your mistakes. And then they they don't even like help him up off the floor. We see this from Mike's point of view. And they're yeah. just sort of leaning over him, talking to him. And then they walk away. The, Again, the, I think this is probably the point of the movie where he has died. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of the film is his is his neurons firing yeah, for the final yes, time. Because yeah. it, it's, yeah, it makes it, sense. It makes sense. It make, It's the only thing that makes sense, really, thinking about the acts that are to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, the, the tone, uh, just, just a note on tone. Yeah. This movie has, like, normal vibes, except when it comes to the mom and dad, and then it feels a bit more like, don't look under the bed, in the, yeah, like, like the, exaggerated, yeah, uh, exaggerated, uncanny oddness, like the uh, yeah. big emotional distance uh, with the mum and dad. They're not really in the story; they're not part of the plot, so it doesn't matter. But like, just know that the vibe with with his parents is kind of like performatively wacky. What I think is interesting is that the actor who plays uh, Mike, uh, yeah. Michael Shulman, is the name of the actor. He looks to me, I don't know if you thought this, a lot like a young, a young Jim right. Carrey. Oh. I was going to say Ryan Reynolds. Oh, okay. I thought young Jim Carrey. Yeah. So yeah, I was expecting. I, I was expecting more of a kind of like wacky physical comedy actor from him because yeah, I was yeah. like getting the Jim Carrey vibes. But he's just a sort of very sensitive, irascible, quite unlikable young man. <laughs> yeah, an angry young man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is kind of at odds with his sort of like wacky looking, rubbery face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Mm. But you know, like all of them, he's trying his best. 
Trying his best with the material provided. So yeah. we cut to uh, his backyard. He's fiddling with the satellite dish. Um, his mum is watching Bavarian dancing on TV and talking about Oktoberfest on the phone in German. I have no idea what this is supposed to be. I, is this I think her it's, job? It's supposed to say, as far as I can tell from a few bits of dialogue throughout the movie, the mum is like a distributor of VHSs. Like a... Right. Yeah. A, but she's not watching a VHS because it's affected by the satellite dish. Yeah, I don't... I, as I, I don't understand, there's absolutely nothing in this opening bit of dialogue from the from the mom to mm. to make that clear at all. I thought I've written down she might be a subtitler because she's talking, she's watching like a German umpa band on on TV or something. Yeah, but that's she's I mean, on the phone in German. And, and I I don't know if there's one thing that doesn't need subtitling, it's a German umpa band. <laughs> well, no you lyrics. Just, you could just put like indistinct umpa, umpa indistinct, yeah, brutal umpa. Well, the other thing that this film does incredibly poorly is its presentation of computers and anything oh. related to technology. Because we're about to get a double whammy here. Um, yeah. Mike's sister comes downstairs and says she needs help passing a computer class. Mike starts talking in sort of computer terms about interrupt processes and bioservice routines, yeah. um, which she finds confusing. And then upstairs, his dad turns on his computer... <laughs> is briefly greeted by some uh, stock market images, <laughs> but it's quickly replaced by clip art of a pig. Yeah, it dissolves into large static oinking clip art. Which... Um, the dad sort of sighs in a world-weary world weary <laughs> way. Um, I would assume that I'd been hacked. Yeah, ransomware. Ransomware. But instead he shouts, Mike... And Mike comes through and admits, oh, sorry, I needed the extra RAM for a little programming project. I'm using this new graphics card that I tweaked a bit and now it eats up memory like a gulper eel. Okay. I've written in capitals, this does not explain the pig, question mark. <laughs> okay. Okay. So he took, he stripped the RAM out of his, his father's PC. Yep. And his father booted up his stock market program. Yep. His computer tried to run it, but because it didn't have enough RAM... A pig it, was it there. It <laughs> clip art of a pig rolling around. Now, now, later we're going to actually see this pig clip art again. <laughs> they really got their money's worth out of that CD-ROM. <laughs> it's going to become a minor plot point. But the problem is... <laughs> the big CD-ROM of pig. But the problem is, I still don't understand what Mike was doing. I, he's got a new graphics card. That, so he's tweaked a new graphics card. Yeah. And now it eats up memory. Yeah. So so he's got a powerful new graphics card. So mm -hmm. so what's he doing with the dad's computer? Well, okay. So what he did was he took all the RAM out of his dad's computer. Right. Put it in his computer. Yeah. But he was like, oh, I can't leave dad with nothing. I'll, right. I'll leave him. I'll leave him a kilobyte of RAM to run this this pig clipper. <laughs> Just enough to get by. Just enough to get. Yeah. It's clear that like his dad works from home as a stockbroker. I think. So yeah, he's left him just enough RAM to display a fun gif of a pig. Yeah, I mean, if he you can, can he see... He can turn just, that in at work. If you can see one clip art of a pig a day, mm -hmm. that's that, I think that's a fair day's work. Yeah, well, he could show that clip art to someone and get they could pay him a dollar for it. Exactly. You say, hey, do you want to see a clip art of a pig? <laughs> yeah. No, well, you do or do I? <laughs> How um, much is it? $100? No. Just more. a single dollar, friend. <laughs> $500. <laughs> so, yeah, as, as far as I'm aware, that's how the stock market works. Yeah, so this pig thing occurs. Then Mike has a chat with his dad. Mike tries to tell his father that he hates football. Mm -hmm. Dad, um, 
I don't know about football anymore. Maybe it's not for me. Mike, I don't want to hear the word can't. Did I say can't? I have faith in you. No, no, you can do anything you put your mind to, including running downfield to the halfback. Hopefully in the right direction. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. I know, but I just don't think it's... No, no, no buts about it. Anything, Mike. That's the word for the day. Anything. Okay. Anything. Anything. So how about rounding up those uh, farm animals and uh, giving me back my stock market? Sure. Now how about running off those farm animals and giving me back my stock market? Sure, Dad. Sure. <laughs> sure. It's the easiest programming act there is. <laughs> to simply run off the pigs on your computer. Yeah. What? what? Control, L, delete. Why would you write a film with computers in when you clearly know this little about computing? I don't know. The thing is, the speech he gives his sister earlier in the movie about like interrupts and stuff, I don't know if any of that is like legit programming dialogue, but it mm -hmm. sounded like some thought had gone into it. And yeah. then it's such a handbrake turn to this pig ram situation. <laughs> yeah, when you, it, you probably don't remember this, listeners, but when your computer used to run low on RAM, it was just uh, start replacing programs with pig clip art. It would because uh, a pig, although a very heavy animal, programming wise is one of the most efficient and mm. least cpu intensive yeah um farm well, when you think about it it's a, sort display. of a pink circle isn't it yeah i mean it's only one color mm -hmm. uh, which helps um you can a lot of the assets are simply reused so the circles on the face uh it's just the same circle again but bigger for the body and then yeah. four small circles for the legs and <laughs> The tail is two if, circles, but with with sort of negative circles cut out. Well, if you them. look closely at the at the tail of a pig, it's actually a, a very small pink snake. They <laughs> just reuse the snake asset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's actually a very small pig. <laughs> it'll twist it around. Yeah, it's got four pigs for legs. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's the same mesh. Yeah, but just upside down. Okay, so that baffling scene was in the movie. Yeah, uh, adding nothing. Up to school. Uh, we're in the computer lab. Oh no! Um, a <laughs> tough football boy called Scott Schreibner yeah. hits Mike in the head with a pen uh, to establish to the viewer that he is a big, tough football boy. Mm, Gilbert Gilbert starts talking about how perfect and good looking he is. <laughs> Too bad he's a perfect jerk, says Mike. Yeah. Pretty cutting. In comes the teacher and Caitlin, uh, who was one of the cheerleaders from the match earlier. So she Scott, was the one he was staring at in slow motion. Yeah. So Scott offers a seat next to him to Caitlin, and Caitlin says no thanks and asks Mike if the seat next to him is free. Mm. Um, we see an irked Scott slide a floppy disk into his computer. Yeah. And press a button. Uh huh. He initiates a program. <laughs> On his own computer. On his own computer. The spreadsheet that he's working on <laughs> dissolves into the text. I've got your brain, but I'll give it back with some bleepy bloop music. Yeah, that appears on Mike, Mike's computer. Yes. Yeah, he kind of makes this appear on Mike's computer. I've got your brain, but I'll give it yeah. back. Mike is briefly shocked, but then he realises that it's Scott doing it. Uh, he dismisses the text screen, but Scott presses another button that makes some clip art garbage appear on Mike's screen somehow. With the text, don't let a good mind go to waste, mm. which is odd. Such an odd, 
like the the verb. I mean, forget about forget about the actual software element of this. Just the verbiage of this bullying <laughs> is baffling. I've got your brain, but I'll give it back. Don't let a good mind go to waste. It sounds more like flirting. <laughs> I think. Well, speaking of Mike, in retaliation. Quick as a flash, reaches into his own pocket and produces his own floppy disk. This is brilliant. It's like Yu-Gi-Oh, where they're sort of battling, <laughs> yes. but just producing floppy disks and slamming yeah. them down. Uno reverse card yeah. with floppy disk. Uh, he puts this floppy disk into his PC, hits a single key, and then all of a sudden the teacher gets a sext from the principal. <laughs> so the teacher... <laughs> So the teacher gets what? mail. What? The teacher, What's the sentence I just said? The teacher receives email. The email says, I think of you day and night. Come see me. Your principal, Mr. Haynes. P.S. You can call me Doug. So Mike's reverse prank on Scott is to get his principal fired for sending inappropriate messages over the school IT system. Uh, yeah. Um, however, Miss... Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I was really confused there. Her name is Miss Nickerson, but because I did find and replace, it says Miss Gilbertson. <laughs> oh man, Miss Gilbertson is smitten. She says that she has to attend to something. Yeah, um, and swans out of the room all loved up. Yeah. Um, the principal's junk. Yeah. That. <laughs> now for the coup de grace, says Mike. Trembling, he presses a button on his computer. An animated GIF of a pig rolling in mud appears on all the screens in the class. Here it is, the super virus. It turns and it has the face of Bully Scott. Yeah. It's your head, says Scott's friend helpfully. This charming bit of cyberbullying has everyone in the room just absolutely losing it. They're rolling around. They're loving it. Scott shakes his head. I think we're supposed to think that Scott is mad and wants vengeance, but honestly, he's smiling winsomely. He looks like he's charmed. Well, when did when did Mike make this? And um, why did Mike make this? He hadn't been cyber. It was in retaliation for, yeah, for something that hadn't happened. <laughs> that he, hadn't happened. The movie tries to paint Scott as the bully here because Scott is like, "Haha, don't let good mind go to waste." Here's a trash can, and then Mike yeah. is like, "Well, guess what? I've been working on this for weeks. Absolutely I'm owning you in front to of everyone. Destroy you. First, first I destroy the principal's career. Then, yeah. while the teachers are out of the room reeling from the shock of that, I humiliate you with this pig gif. There's also like midi oh. midi." music of old mcdonald's playing over it like it's, it's like yeah scott sent a sort of funny animated gif of some trash to uh, mike's computer mike's like sent scott's dad's tax records to, <laughs> to the fbi and now he's going to jail <laughs> owned him uh, the perfect clapback mess with the best die with the rest so um at the tree house Mike is once more terrifying Jay. Yeah, who is now wearing a tinfoil hat. Yeah. <laughs> he's terrified of aliens. He's now telling us one of his charming stories. This one's about the Mantics. Uh, they are a sort of overgrown sewer rat civilization mm. who slime the population. I think it's the, what are they called? The Hazels? Has, the Hansels. The has, Hansels. They, and the Hansels are getting it from all directions. <laughs> yeah. So they got the Jongs in orbit, <laughs> firestorming them from above. They've got the Mantics emerging from the sewers, sliming them into submission. <laughs> it's a bit bad times for the Hansels. Yeah, it sucks to be a Hansel. Um, Jill, uh, the sister, arrives and tells Mike that he has a visitor. It's a Caitlin somebody waiting in his room. Mike says, yeah, right. Yeah, they don't believe. Um, they simply Mike's don't sister, believe but, that Caitlin is in Mike's. Um, room. But yeah, little uh, 
Little Jay says, you're interesting, Mike. What if she really is there waiting for a story? Mike's like... Sensing a good opportunity to make Mike leave. <laughs> yeah. What if she's waiting for an, the great story about the Hansels getting their spines ripped out? But that and wasn't like, even the worst of it. <laughs> that was the worst part. Because the bleep yeah. blocks were coming out of the goddamn trees, man. With their, with their drill hands. <laughs> Coming out of the trees. So and Mike's this like, oh. like, no, no, mummy, no. And then mummy's like, drilled. <laughs> but soon language was impossible as the throat <laughs> filled with blood. Um, yeah, so blood. Mike is like, wow, maybe she is. Maybe she is here for a story. So he runs into the house. Um, and Caitlin is indeed in his room looking at all his stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mike's room is full of <laughs> machinery and cables. He's yeah. also, <laughs> he's also <laughs> in the background, we see that he appears to be. Midway through construction of what looks like a six-foot animatronic chicken, <laughs> it's like it's only the sort of exposed. <laughs> Do you know what like a Furby looks like underneath the yeah, fur? Yeah. It's like that, but like six foot high. Uh-huh. Why is yeah, he's a this? yeah. You're an odd. You're an odd character, Mike. He's sort of presented in the same way as. Um, thingy from genius the little boy from genius mm. but it's done much less well yeah like i legitimately came away from that movie thinking oh that kid was smart whereas this i just think mike is weird i just and think yeah i just think that mike's been like dumpster diving out the back of epcot and yeah yeah and picking up the animatronics but yeah, yeah. caitlin um says it's like frankenstein's lab in here and he's he says oh it's what i do i'm better at stuff on my own he says, and she says, yeah, I know. <laughs> they, they go out into the back garden and she sees the, the transmitter. Um, and he says, oh, yeah, that thing. That's for blasting messages into space for no reason. Um, she's impressed. She says, it looks like it would work. <laughs> no higher praise. Yeah. This looks like it could work. Um, anyway, why has Caitlin come to see Mike? So uh, wh- why are you here? Oh, the prank you pulled in Nickerson's class was brilliant. It got me thinking. About what? Well, I'm doing the decorations for the Halloween dance. I don't have a huge budget or anything, but I know if I just put up orange crepe paper, it'll be a dud. So I want something new, something high-tech. Creative. You're the man to help me do it. The man? I am me? Wow. Yeah, well, why not? Definitely, absolutely. So that means yes? <laughs> yes. So next we see a montage of Mike and Caitlin excitedly assembling their high-tech sci-fi Halloween spectacular. Yeah, for the amount of, like, dumping on orange crepe paper that she was doing in that speech beforehand, there is quite a lot of orange crepe paper. Yeah, there is a, there is a, a shocking <laughs> Sign- amount. Significant amount. But thank yeah. God, because Mike's animatronic spectacular is a load of traffic lights attached to like a a, a, pl- a, a playground roundabout with plastic just, skeletons on it i can't yeah so it's also covered in like do you remember acetate pro- projectors yeah like those really old projectors you got in school like there's a load of them bolted onto it okay so imagine you took a, like a lazy susan from a chinese restaurant yep and then you just dumped a bunch of you went to like Party City and bought like a smoke machine and like a set of traffic lights and a plastic skeleton. Yeah. And then you dumped all of that on the Lazy Susan and you made that sort of rotate slowly with some kind of motor. We know that he has a six, six foot, foot animatronic. animatronic chicken and that is not in play. Somehow not being used <laughs> the at the Halloween party. That. 
Oh, I, no, I can't let that out the bedroom. It, <laughs> it achieved sentience some time ago. <laughs> if it sees the outside world, that's yeah. it for humanity. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is this is nothing, but uh, Caitlin is very excited I'll t- about I'll it. I'll tell She's- you what it is. It is, is big. It's great big. It's It sort of fills the gymnasium in which they are going to be hosting yeah. the dance. He's running this full animatronic light and sound spectacular through a MIDI keyboard. And well, that's, that's part of the problem, because when you do see it at the dance, everyone has to sort of awkwardly shuffle into the corners <laughs> of the room because it takes up half the gym. <laughs> everyone can sort of shuffle and dance around in the corners. While staying clear of the sort of swinging projectors, <laughs> the, the, whirling confused, around. the confusing centerpiece is taking up. Isn't isn't even really that Halloween theme. The skeleton is stuck in traffic. What's so hard Why is about this? So hard for you people to grasp. Oh man, I wish I could leave Earth. <laughs> so. Uh, Caitlin, however, is absolutely loving this, and it's clear that she doesn't just like Mike for his incredible animatronic assemblage. Um, she also has a crush on him. She says, we make such a great team. Yeah. Um, and Mike is like, what? Why are you interested in me when you're you're a head cheerleader and I'm just Mike? And he gestures broadly to his whole deal of traffic lights <laughs> yeah. and skeletons. Animatronic chickens and smoke machines. <laughs> And Caitlin says, you know, Mike, for being such a genius, you sure are an idiot. And they look at each other bashfully yeah, uh, in a sort of teen crush kind of way. She, she says, says, hey, I hear you tell great stories mm-hmm. and sits down and pats a seat, gesturing to him yeah. to sit next to her. <laughs> so so the, the strong knife carved out <laughs> the jelly of the eyes. Of the <laughs> sh- sh- shrieking the hands all tried to scream. <laughs> But it was too late. <laughs> Seeing the John thermonuclear detonation, his eyes burst, sparing him the sight of what was to follow. He opened his mouth to scream as his, and his jaw fell off. <laughs> so Caitlin is sitting there, sorcerer-eyed at this horrible story. No. When who should walk in but Scott Schreibner. So the actual story he tells, it's, no, it's not as violent, but it's no less odd. It goes like this. And tell me if you are falling in love. Mm -hmm. Our spaceship was a mile long and half that wide. It was built for a long journey. The adults always looked ahead for a safe voyage and behind for the evil. (laughs) And at this point, he is interrupted. Yeah, that's as far as he got. Behind the evil Jones, whose ships were swarming. (laughs) Whose strong hands crushed the breath out of the (laughs) tiny Hansel children. (laughs) Um, they had young Timmy (laughs) the Hansel prince as a diplomatic hostage surely the Hansels thought they wouldn't stoop so low surely not but they wouldn't place the the airlock hissed open surely they wouldn't place him in the chamber (laughs) Um, yes the chamber was a mile long (laughs) and it it filled corner to corner with hissing spiders (laughs) So Scott Schreibner... Yeah, um, in he comes. uh, In he comes. He invites Caitlin to go and get food, uh, and Caitlin, in turn, invites Mike. Scott says Mike isn't invited. Mike says he wouldn't go anyway, and their bickering is about to descend into blind, ugly violence, but Caitlin steps in and tells Scott that she's not coming. Um, Mike is so chuffed that Caitlin chose him that he looks up like a silly baby cow with (laughs) big... Baby cow, cow eyes. eyes. Yeah, the, um, sort of, the sort of sight a jong would look at and instantly get 
instantly set his phaser to kill. <laughs> um, instantly cheese grate his face off. <laughs> so here it's all here in these drawings. <laughs> so so S- Scott has left and now Mike and Caitlin go out on a date. Yeah, they go for food together. We don't really see the date. No. But, uh, what we do see is later that night, Scott and an accomplice, who I don't believe is named, yep. sneak into the gym hall where Mike and Caitlin's animatronic Halloween spooktacular is assembled, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, waiting to scare and delight all who see it. <laughs> waiting to push all those who see it into the corner of the room. <laughs> Scott goes up to the MIDI keyboard controlling this whole thing and examines the cabling. Remember, Scott did a computer program. So, mm. you know, he really is the jack of all trades. He can do anything. So Scott says that it's time to cut Mike down to size, if you ask me. And I think I know how. Mm. Scott is presented as an equal genius to Mike I like in this Scott. Film. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he does. He's the... captain of the football team and a computer genius. Yeah, and also he seems kind of nice. Yeah, <laughs> and he know. doesn't write horrible torture porn about aliens. <laughs> in fact, like, he probably takes a look at Mike's sort of Halloween spooktacular and says, oh my God, I think I see what he's doing here. <laughs> no, 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 this can't no, no, be allowed no. to happen. Yeah, no one's going to have fun of this, Dan, so I'll no, fix it. Exactly. We, we cut to Mike soldering. Um, or as his sister pronounces it, soldering, which is, I don't know, it's a weird pronunciation. I've heard people use it before. I don't get it. Soldering. It's got an L in it. Soldering. Yeah. Soldering. Why are you sod? Why, Mike, why are you soldering LEDs into your cummerbund? Yeah, it's weird. But that is what he's doing. Also, he's putting... g- great question. Why are you soldering why LEDs you soldering into your cummerbund? Into this your... isn't yeah. a good thing to do. Uh, his mum has a tango lessons tape because her job is videos she says that she distributed this vhs to a chain of stations throughout the canary islands and for closed circuits on cruise ships what could it mean i and you're like what do you mean mum but then her (laughs) and the dad begin a sensual tango (laughs) they start the most erotic ballroom dancing erotically in the house yeah effectively ending the conversation yeah and the scene in fact yeah so i mean i guess it was all good runtime yeah, that's true. At the dance, Caitlin um, meets Mike as he runs up. She says she had so much fun doing this with him and she wants to dance with him later. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut to the to the electronics um, powering the spooktacular. We follow a wire up the wall and it's it's Scott and his friend who chuckles. Yeah, Scott and the friend are kind of hiding in a side hatch. Uh, they're lurking yeah. there. The dance opens. Uh, there's about 30 <laughs> people because that's all that can fit in the gym with... <laughs> With the spectacular, <laughs> the remaining two hundred are being turned away at the door. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a thirty capacity tonight. <laughs> the first person through the doors is, I'd say, a forty-five-year-old man, um, <laughs> dressed up a bit like the guy in leather from the Village People, but with casual jeans. Yeah, leather daddy. Um, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the principal because later we see him dancing with the IT teacher. Okay, good. Um, oh, I'm glad that worked out. Although. Um, seeing this did make me sort of go on a Wikipedia expedition about Leather Daddy from the village people. Sure. Did you know uh, that when he died in 2001, he was interred in his Leatherman outfit? Good. There you go. Good fact That's his, about go- that's his ghost outfit now. Yep. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. Yeah, you'd hope. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, there you go. Uh, Glenn Hughes facts. So Mike, <laughs> <laughs> Mike will have more of those later. No, that's the only one. <laughs> Mike gives a speech about how great his Halloween spectacular is. Um, he thanks himself 
And then even though, this, <laughs> even though Caitlin organised this dance and asked yeah. Mike to help, he, he, says, he gets on the mic. The spectacular is like, uh, a production of Mike is Great Productions or something. Yeah. He says, I couldn't have done it without Caitlin, who organised everything. <laughs> I couldn't have done it as well without some assistance. I couldn't have Caitlin. done Caitlin's dance in a way without Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could have. And now the great ball can begin. <laughs> He magics some flowers out of yeah. thin air, which I, he's never expressed an interest in magic or sh- shown us how he does that before. It's just a thing he does. Is it? I mean, it's the kind of thing that. Sorry, not to not to litigate close up magic again. <laughs> sure, but it, I think um, it fits. Yeah, Caitlin is delighted. Kisses him on the cheek. Um, Let the games begin, <laughs> he says with a theatrical flourish. <laughs> Game. And the party starts. The rotating turntable with a bunch of lights and barrels on it starts spinning slowly. <laughs> slowly spinning. The the house lights appear to still be on. Everyone's <laughs> dancing to some music that the subtitles <laughs> describes as rap, square brackets, indistinct. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's good. Subtitles like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not oh, transcribing this. It's like 3 p.m. and I had a big lunch. I'm sleepy. Indistinct. So um, uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't we hear a bit of this fantabulous party and you'll you'll get a sense of how it sounds and how it goes. Push the button. No, please push the button. What's happening? I don't know what's wrong. I can't stop it. I don't know what's wrong. Uh-oh. So Scott has sprung his master plan. His deadly trap. Uh, yeah. So suddenly the turntable starts going in reverse. It starts spinning faster. Mike can't stop it. A swinging monster knocks two people down. Uh, the turntable spins faster, catches fire, and then explodes. Um, the teacher, Mrs. Gilbertson, Mrs. Mrs. Gilbertson. Mrs. Gilbertson. Mrs. She, Gilbertson. She sprays it down with a fire extinguisher. Mike, for reasons I don't understand, runs up and to try and stop her from doing that and, and is sprayed himself head to yes. toe with fire extinguishant. He says, um, don't extinguish this fire, Mrs. Gilbertson. And then he runs in, he runs in front of the fire extinguisher. Yeah. And gets it's humiliatingly... like taking a bullet for his creation. He gets humiliatingly coated in foam because he willingly ran in front of a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Like, actually, Mike, if it's okay, we probably will put out the fire. Yeah. <laughs> you do know that if we put out the fire, that's the best thing for your animatronic. You know, being on fire is not a better state for your animatronic than being like covered in extinguishant or whatever. But it is. then the movie plays some melancholy music. Oh, so we know it's actually uh, this sad. is another one. It's like, it's like the yeah, it's the Peanuts Arrested Development sad Charlie <laughs> yeah. Brown music. It's so he like, gathers up his laptop and flees with the mocking laughter of everyone laughing at him being covered in fire extinguisher foam because he willingly ran in front of a fire extinguisher. Yeah, he, he scampers out like a little golem to the yeah. echoing derisory laughs of his peers. This brings us up to the start of the movie and we realise... the intro. 
that the agonising social pain Mike has suffered to make him want to leave Earth was being fire extinguished at his failed <laughs> Halloween spooktacular. Was being fire extinguished on purpose because he went in front of a fire extinguisher. Brilliantly, for the purposes of runtime, the entire scene plays again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't watch it like, side by side but i did go back and check and i'm pretty sure every cut is the same oh yeah Normally, no it's exact they just replay the entire they just re- they just replay that it's like it's minutes long yeah minutes that you've already seen about 27 minutes ago <laughs> it's amazing normally when you see the same thing happen in a movie they just use different shots but they just edit it again just use or it they'll, different yeah they'll shots. cut it down a bit because you know what happened because you saw it yeah exactly you know kind of like previously on but no they're just like roll yeah. tape <laughs> Isaac can just have a little power nap in this bit. <laughs> so Mike's run back into his backyard with a laptop. He's looking to signal his alien brethren. Um, the dish is struck by lightning. It explodes. Mike is flung across the garden. And then we cut to the next morning. We saw it, we saw it all again and nothing was added. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, I can't wait. Oh, we're, yeah. we're watching the whole thing, but I assume this time we'll get to see what happens at the end. Shed, th- throwing the whole thing into a startling new light. Yeah, no. But no, it's just the morning. The scene again. It's the morning. Dad says the insurance will cover the satellite dish. Um, and no one was hurt in the big fire at the dance. So, <laughs> um, great. It all works out for everyone. But Mike says he just can't face anyone at school. Yeah. Dad says you've got to get back on the horse. Your varsity jacket awaits. Mm. Then Jill starts spouting maths at him. But Mike says, I've lost my will to solve. Sorry. Yeah. And to the Charlie Brown music, dejectedly <laughs> traipses up to his bedroom. Yeah. At school, Mike cringes his way through the halls. Everyone looks and laughs at him. Scott gets in his face. Caitlin is there and she's like, uh, what? When Mike looks at her, nothing, <laughs> nothing says Mike. This and is off. Caitlin gives him absolutely no reason to think that they're not friends anymore. Mike yeah. just assumes, well, I mean, you saw my skeleton roundabout go on fire. I assume <laughs> you can't stand the sight of me anymore. I mean, before when my skeleton roundabout wasn't on fire, I was obviously extremely sexually attractive. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. The owner-operator of a skeleton roundabout. <laughs> I mean, I know you used to look at me and see see, a, see, the, see the proprietor of a skeleton roundabout. I was too afraid to show you the vulnerable hey, boy underneath. I wasn't born yesterday. I know what that does to a woman. <laughs> man with his own skeleton roundabout. <laughs> look, you're a woman, I'm a man with a skeleton roundabout. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's oldest time. <laughs> look, look, yes, I own a haunted hayride. <laughs> yes, we can't be. We can't be exclusive. God, I'm thinking about taking uh, owner of a skeleton roundabout out of my Tinder profile because I'm just getting these shallow dates. They ju- <laughs> just, just looking for a good time on my skeleton roundabout. They'll, uh, they'll talk to me all night and then just when I think things are going great, bam, there comes the question, can I have a go on the skeleton roundabout? <laughs> the whole night I'm like, when are they going to ask? When are they going to ask? Here it just comes. When you think you've met it, you think you've met uh, the one and hey. then <laughs> hey, you Mike. come downstairs middle of the night not another one fling open the carriage door and she's taking a ride on your skeleton roundabout speaking of uh, my nephew I know he'd love to have a go on your skeleton roundabout oh for oh, here, we, here go. we go women only want one thing and it's <laughs> disgusting, disgusting. <laughs> cut the skeleton roundabout <laughs> 
So <laughs> you have no so, idea yeah. how hard it is to date when you own an operator. So Mike has been widely shunned at school because the skeleton <laughs> roundabout caught fire. So yeah, he's no longer the B B M W O A S R on campus. That's right, big man who owns the skeleton roundabout. <laughs> oh, oh, Andy, what you said is so merchable. <laughs> Big man who owns a skeleton roundabout on campus. Yeah, I mean, hey, (laughs) put it on a t-shirt if you're not afraid of a lot of sex. (laughs) You just, you won't get anything else done. (laughs) Just wear a jacket over it. Yeah. Uh, Unzip it when you want people to swoon over you. But you'll never know if they really like you for you. That's the curse. Oh, your skeleton roundabout. (laughs) That's the curse. You know, it wasn't until my skeleton found about caught fire and was destroyed. <laughs> that I was truly I, t- I tell you what, you find out who your friends are real quick, let me tell you. Yeah, oh, they evaporate. Oh, all those, oh, those well wishes, oh. they all melt away. All those fair weather skeleton roundabout <laughs> yeah. friends. Gilbert, he swore he was my friend. He said to use my ride or die through thick and thin. Yeah. As soon as that thing went up in flames, suddenly he won't answer my calls. Suddenly he's round at Jerry's on his haunted hayride. (laughs) On his witch seesaw. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's got those mummy swings, hasn't he? So 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 he goes up to Caitlin, who just looks at him in a completely normal way. Um, and she says, um, what? Because he's staring at her like a weirdo. And then he mutters, nothing, and sort of shuffles away like the displaced golem he is. Oh, hey, Andy. Hey, Luke, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad. I'm just placing these roller blades in a in a circle. You have to put yeah, this I one down here. What's, these ones uh, down here. What's the deal this with le- that? Leather jacket to here, this hair gel. Well, do you, need some, do you need some chanting? I can chant. Some chanting would be great. I'm Yeah, I'm okay. performing Abed an arcane ritual. That's great. Give me Brink, I beg of you. Exactly, Andy, you've clocked what I'm doing. They've taken Brink off of Disney Plus in Europe, so mm. I figure that my best bet at seeing Brink is to summon Brink himself in a ritual. So, yeah, if you could just if you could just come closer. I, I need some podcaster blood as well. That's pretty vital. Would chicken do? Um, I have chicken. Does the chicken have a podcast? Yes. It's about all the different kinds of corn that it enjoys. All right. Pop it on the altar. You know, look, there is an easier way to get decoms. Yeah? If you're in Emir than this this what? weird summoning circle that you've created. Yeah, go on. And that is a VPN. Oh! Do you know what a VPN is? No, t- tell me what a VPN is. Wait, hang on. You're not talking about a virtual private network, are you? I am, and I'm specifically talking about the virtual private networks offered by NordVPN. Wow! Amazing! NordVPN, it's a service that protects your internet connection and privacy online with an encrypted tunnel for your data to protect your online identity by hiding your IP address. That sounds good. Look, what you need to know, friends, is that you can it can tell Disney Plus that you're in America. Yeah. And then you can watch DCOMs. Yes, you can. You can safely access your favourite streams and other content from home, no matter where you go. And you can switch your virtual location to lots of different countries, uh, including America. See what's, see what's popping off on Australian Netflix, why not? Yeah, they might have something good on there. Yeah. Um, so if you feel like checking this out, um, for example, because the Walt Disney Corporation just gutted their collection of DCOMs in Europe, for example. For an example. Instance, for ex- just, that's just an just example. As an example. It's just an then example. Why not head on over? 
to nordvpn.com forward slash momcancook and use our promo code momcancook. Check it out. Amazing. I've been using NordVPN personally for quite some time, and I can attest that it is indeed extremely simple to set up and extremely easy to use. I've even recently gone one step further and set up a VPN right at my router, which is, yeah, the next level. I've taken things to the next level. Taking things to the next level. Why? I, w- I was going to say that when I came in here and I saw the summoning circle, but it seems yeah. you've taken things even more to the next level. Yeah, I have. So, that's good. Why not check out NordVPN for yourself? That code one more time, Andy. It's Mom Can't Cook. Go to nordvpn.com forward slash Mom Can't Cook. He's he's here now, Eric Von Detten. Yeah, well, I'd already sliced into the chicken at the point where you um, started talking about VPNs. What am I doing? Why am I here? Oh my God. Um, Do you guys know about NordVPN? Yes, Eric. We do know all about it, and it's many features. Um, could you could you start acting out Brink? Maybe. Sure. Oh, I'm gonna be late for school. Oh, jeez. Oh man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Maybe, maybe it's missing. Maybe it's not the music. Is it? Something's missing. I think the chicken blood's really taken it out of him. I think so. Uh, hey, hey, Luke. It's me again, Andy. Hey, um, Andy. What's up? Cool. I've just, I've just seen Eric von Detten back to his home dimension. So that's all. Great, he's tidied away. Yep, tidied away. Um, But I do have another problem that I thought maybe you could help with. Well, okay, so it it seems that um, Disney Plus removed all of the DCOMs um, from uh, Disney Plus in EMEA. Yeah. And uh, as a result, I I sort of punched the wall really hard and hurt my hand in rage. In rage at this decision that they made. Got it. You need a new wall. Okay. Well, thanks to our sponsor, WallDoc. WallDoc. No, what I do, I do need a new wall, but more urgent is my smashed up hand. So oh I need my to God, see, it's uh, really yeah, smashed up. Really smashed up. So I need to see a doctor, but I don't know any. And you I'm in America, any... I should have mentioned, because I've just taken Eric Von Detten back to um, his, Southern California. His home dimension of America. His home dimension of Southern California. <laughs> yeah. So I've got this smashed up hand and I need someone to have a look at it. But Andy, uh, I don't know any doctors. I don't know who if they would even take my insurance. I mean, how would I even solve this problem? Well, the answer, Andy, is to use ZocDoc. It's a free app and website where you can mm. search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. So you can just fire up the app, find a doctor near you that specialises in smashed up hand. Yep. And head on, head on over, get your appointment. So if I need to see a smash handologist, I just go to zocdoc.com slash mcc and download the Zocdoc app for free, and then I can find and book a top-rated one today. That's right. That's zocdoc.com slash mcc. Zocdoc.com slash mcc. I'm trying to type, but my hands all smashed. Yeah. Well, just, uh, just sort of, um, just kind of thump it into the keyboard. Just use my nose. Yeah. Or that. But at, at his treehouse, he's lying down on a beanbag, looking sad, and he's also looking out of a skylight that he has in his treehouse. What kind of mm-hmm. treehouse is a skylight? This treehouse is is ridiculous. It has windows. It has uh, furniture, like he's, sofas, and I think his parents are trying to get him out of the house as much as possible. I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't want to hear about the Jongs anymore. All of a sudden, there's a bright light overhead and a rumbling. And when he looks down, there is a dog in the treehouse. Mm-hmm. The dog is wearing a peculiar boxy collar covered in LEDs. And unfortunately, it also has big blue lips on it. Yep, human lips. Human lips from which emanate the voice of Hollywood legend Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> uh, hey. Where did you come from? 
How did you get in here, boy? Please don't touch! My people are a superior race, and we abhor casual contact with primitives. You talk? Through my translating device, yes. This is not happening. My mind has finally snapped. I'm afraid you're quite sane, and gifted with an abundant intelligence. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to open the door. Door? The Stargate. So, sorry, I'm just I'm just in the personal life section of Malcolm McDowell's Wikipedia page Trying to, to see if, what went if he got divorced. Yeah, when did? Okay, <laughs> like an expensive divorce the year before this or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, he got divorced in 1990, which is a little early mm. for this film. Oh, man. So, so, unfortunately, I wish he was doing the same voice that he does when he's Alex, the chief droog in A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Regrettably. As well, no, but unfortunately... He's just being Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, when he's Barnabas, the, the, <laughs> Barnabas human, the human lips. The Barnabas, the space dog with human lips. <laughs> so, so we see the Stargate. <laughs> the Stargate that... <laughs> Fun of us came through is a CGI dog kennel which vanishes with a sort of howl. Yeah, it goes, <laughs> and vanishes. <laughs> and vanishes. He's Barnabas from the Star System Puppet. <laughs> he represents, he says, and do you remember this is Hollywood legend Malcolm McDowell, a Galactarian organization, disaster relief, rights violations, etc. Um, non profit, of course. And he says that we, yes, non profit. He says that we have to go. Mike says, Where? Off this planet, says Barnabas. Mm. He says that he heard Mike's plea. The longer we delay, the more complex it all becomes. Slightly yep. ominously. I appreciate you coming all this way, but I don't believe you exist, says Mike, who built uh, in an intergalactic transmitting satellite dish to try, he and believed, reach to, make to try and reach aliens, yeah. which he believed exists. Yeah. So, and here's an alien. He's like, No yeah. way. Seems a bit out of character. Yeah, but it's runtime, isn't it? Um, yeah, true. He runs and leaves the treehouse. Barnabas teleports behind him. That's the thing Barnabas can do. Uh, <laughs> and says, others are coming from all over the galaxy to find you. Please, says Barnabas, trust no one but me. Yep, they won't have your best interests at heart. Mm. So Mike runs inside and looks in the mirror and starts checking his tongue and eyes for signs of, I guess, disease. <laughs> Brain disease. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm just hungry, he says. He fetches a sandwich and a corn from the kitchen. Yeah. Part um, of his snack is like a whole raw corn on the cob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is raw. It can't have been cooked for reasons we will discover later. Yeah, that's right. Um, he sits at a computer. It boots up. Some goo falls from the ceiling and lands disgustingly on his sandwich. This is this whole scene is just is is awful. Yeah, I hate everything about what's about to happen. Above Mike's desk, another Stargate appears. This one looks kind of like a sewer pipe, like from Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I'm dreaming. I'm dreaming, says Mike, and then the pipe. Out a distressing animatronic that <laughs> looks a bit like Photoshop Flowey from Undertale, but worse. Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay. If you haven't played Undertale, just Google image search Photoshop Flowey. That uh, that is exactly that is exactly it. It's the vibe, isn't it? It is like that, but it is worse. So it has eyes on stalks. It has loads and loads of teeth, and it's it it it's all rubbery and it moves disgustingly. Yeah. I feel sorry for whoever had to had have their hand in this thing. Mike lets us know that this thing also stinks. So that's good. Um, yeah, it smells bad. Yeah. Uh, this is The Bomb, it's called. Yeah. Um, he says, you need bomb, my help, bomb. Mike Pillsbury. 
I've come to handle your case. I can get you millions in galactic credits. You'll be taken care of for life. Shall we go? And then the pipe thrums invitingly. So Mike looks re- reluctantly at the pipe. Then the phone rings. Mike's phone rings. And the the, the bomb, the bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah. It panics. Um, it's sort of like screeching. Like, ah! um, it's Caitlin on the phone. Yeah, Mike answers the phone. Yeah. For some reason. It's Caitlin on the phone. She wants to apologise. In the background, while Mike is talking to Caitlin, the bomb is sort of erotically eating a burger. Yeah, it sees his delicious burger and with a with a tendril, it sort of pulls it towards it, its slimy, rubbery mouth. And then for some reason, we see this animatronic puppet sort of sloppily chew up the burger in, in horrific close-up. Yeah. Mike is sort of distracted by this. Caitlin's trying to apologise. She's saying, oh. Mike, you're a great guy. While the bomb is doing sort of huge screaming fart belches. Yeah, it's like heaving and retching. <laughs> then yeah. it, there's a furious like gout of steam erupts from these like sores that it has on its back. Yeah. Um, Mike keeps shouting things like, oh, that's nauseating into the phone because he's looking at the bomb having this sort of shuddering burger orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Caitlin, obviously, in a bit of comic misunderstanding, thinks that he's saying all of these negative things to her, and so she's yeah. falling out with him. Mike chokes as the gas from the from the bone fills his lungs, and then, in a true worst-case scenario moment, the bone acquires his corn on the cob <laughs> and just starts just, like, smacking it up in its mouth. Yeah, it starts screaming and firing popcorn everywhere. Um, I'm going to be sick, shouts Mike, who still hasn't hung up the phone. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, pop... It's like, now it's popped. It's popcorn, like, starts popping out of the... Again, like, just these kind of wounds that the bone has on its back. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, trypophobia, that thing where it's, like, organic holes in yeah, things. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. that, but with, like popcorn firing out of it i know i've referenced this a few times on the podcast i don't know why the disney channel keeps going back to this visual but it's like the bad gremlins like bubbling out of oh god yeah it's exactly that out of the out of gizmo's back anyway it's a, a very distressing scene it's horrible uh, it goes on for all i can think is that the disney corporation sold some poisonous mickey mouse candy by accident and they needed to make all of its core audience vomit <laughs> like quickly yeah. but this cru- is an emetic tv <laughs> yeah, program yeah exactly they needed to make all the kids sick but crucially not give away why and open themselves up to the mother of all lawsuits yeah so, yeah. so it works perfectly i think exactly every child hangs up. up all the poisoned gum is mm-hmm. in the carpet now jobs yep. are good yeah ice and club soda get that right out <laughs> uh caitlin <laughs> hangs up angrily uh, and then the bomb explains that he is a lawyer um, and that Mike has a lawsuit against Earth's government. Um, yes, no life form shall be subject to exposure to substandard environmental, psychological, or emotional life circumstances, says the Bohm. Yes. Hey, the Bohm, maybe look at the rest of Earth. I think you'll find <laughs> it has some very valuable cases for you, much more so than Mike's, who mm. had an embarrassing thing happen to him at school. Who <laughs> is now no longer the owner-operator of the skeleton <laughs> roundabout. Oh my God, why didn't you say uh mike explains he didn't think anyone would ever come from his message well we did says the bone and no one will offer you a better fee structure than myself okay so there's going to be another animatronic that has a similar sort of shtick mm-hmm. i don't know what they were thinking with the bone's whole deal because the, the like the bone is a sort of like ambulance chasing lawyer a sort of pastiche yeah. of a, a a greedy lawsuit hungry lionel hut style lawyer but like in a kids movie? Yep. Is this a this, 
it's supposed to be like so the idea which we'll find out later is that Mike has now sort of opened the floodgates to the entire galaxy. Yeah. Like everyone now knows that earth exists. And so all these like shady characters are going to move in. And the, the two, the two things the writers of this film could think of were shady lawyer and unscrupulous wholesaler who we'll meet later. They couldn't think of any other like weird characters. And don't forget the weirdest character, Hollywood agent. One of the aliens oh, is yes. a yeah, of course. one of the How aliens is a, a Hollywood agent. How could I forget Hollywood agent? Very so, yeah. very inventive. Yeah, Holly, they've got Hollywood lawyer, Hollywood agent, <laughs> and <laughs> unscrupulous business person. <laughs> it's so uh, pretty pretty whimsical. So, um Gilbert shows up. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh right, so sorry. So so Mike says no to the the Bohm's offer. Um, yeah, the bone threatens to sue him for wasting his time and goes back into his pipe. Yeah, and and vanishes into the pipe. Gilbert shows up in Mike's room and says, "Who bathed in here?" Uh, Mike says, "Hey, come and look at these emissions. Uh, he, there's slime all over his textbooks." He tells Gilbert about the bone and Barnabas, but Gilbert surprisingly thinks actually probably what happened, Mike, is that you bathed and have come up with one of your trademark alien stories. Yeah. Mike tries to convince him, but he's not. He's not having any of it. Gilbert leaves. Uh, we cut to Caitlin and her friends. Mike approaches them like Michael Myers from Halloween, <laughs> sort of lurking around fences and trees. He's, yeah, he's hiding behind a tree, observing Caitlin. She mm. sees him crouched there, frowns, <laughs> and goes inside her house. Uh, Barnabas the dog is back with his lip necklace. Yeah, he materialises. We got to go, he says in the in the stentorian tones of Malcolm McDowell, <laughs> in the classically trained theatre tones, in the Royal Shakespeare tones of Michael McDowell. So yeah. Mike complains about the bomb in Barnabas's earshot, and that's when Barnabas drops the bombshell. What lawyer? He said he was a, a, a bomb. Bomb? The bomb was here already? Oh, I was afraid of this. Mike Pillsbury, you have opened up a can of worms. Can of worms? When you sent out your call, you also signaled to the universe that this planet has advanced to a certain technological level. That, that's good. That's bad. Because of what you've done, Earth no longer falls under the intergalactic protection for primitive life. Oh, no, no, no. You, you don't understand. The whole thing was an accident. Lightning hit the dish. I don't even know how it really worked, okay? But it did. And no one will believe that you had no control over it. I can see what your life has become. You're disgusted, fed up with people. I can take you to a place where you can be yourself. Be by yourself. I don't know why Barnabas is so invested in getting Mike off world, but he's he a he's a charity worker. He helps refugees. Yeah. So yeah, he's trying to get Mike off Even off though, planet. You know, Mike's like, actually, I'm fine. Actually, there's I'm no, fine. There's yeah. no problem. It's like, no, no, Mike, I'll follow you. No, dear boy, you I'll, must get off planet. I'll teleport around you for days. Well, we never find out what Barnabas planned to do to Mike when he got him home. It might have been something weird. Yeah, yeah, maybe chop him up and feed him to some people who really needed it. Yeah, yeah, poke, poke his eyes out. <laughs> I don't know, something horrible. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Mike says, hey, maybe that's not such a bad idea. But first, I've got to tie up a loose ends. I'd like oh, to say goodbye the, to someone. This is brilliant. So Mike is Mike is resolved to leave Earth because there's nothing for him here now. He just <laughs> now has to say... skeleton roundabout call. <laughs> he needs to go somewhere, somewhere on the other side of the universe. He can be himself. Where people don't know he used to own a skeleton <laughs> He won't have that weight of expectation on him. So, but yeah, first he has to say one goodbye. 
the viewers, you, viewer, you're probably thinking of his mother, his father, his sister. No, it's Caitlin. His who, best friend, Gilbert. <laughs> no, it's Caitlin, who he sort of has been crushing on for about five days. So he goes up to uh, Caitlin. He sort of shouts through Caitlin's window. Yeah. Um, she's angry at him, though. She says she tried calling him to make things right, but he was rude to her and disgusting. He was rude and disgusting. Yes, he was. It was just a sort of screaming, shuddering, climaxing boam in the background. <laughs> yeah, in the background, a boam being like... <laughs> I want a second chance, please, he says. I'll be down in a second, she says. But Mike, this is your last chance. Yeah, this is your last chance. So uh, Mike heads up the steps to the house and uh-oh, what's this sneaking up behind him? Two little stripy blue and orange eye stalks appear to be following him. Um, yeah. The music is very whimsical, even though these eyes, like the bone, are disgusting, and I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he waits by the door. Uh, the eye stalks shoot him in the face with some kind of sparks. And then we see another distressing animatronic with human teeth. This one is wearing socks and loafers. What? Why is it wearing socks and loafers? I don't understand. It's about the size of a bagpipes. Actually, you know what? Because <laughs> it's got like stork eyes. It is, yeah. it is basically like a sort of bagpipes with human teeth. This is, I think, probably the third or fourth most prominent alien in this film. And for some reason, it's on all of the posters. Yeah, I don't know why. Probably because they looked at the others and were like, well, Jesus, we can't <laughs> Jesus put that on there. Christ. No one's going to watch this. This one's wearing shoes, at least. They could have put Barnabas on, but then I suppose yeah. it probably would have looked like a boy and his a dog, dog movie. movie. And then yeah. you turn it on and there's a climaxing bow. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was promised. Well, <laughs> so, so um, yeah, Mike has been shot with a laser. Uh, he's collapsed yep. to the floor. Caitlin K- opens the door. She is also shot with a laser. But however, while Mike was so- when Mike was shot with the laser, he crumples to the floor and can't move his body. When Caitlin is shot with the laser, it's just an evil spell that freezes her. She's sort of frozen stoically in place. Yeah. The slug thing teleports hi- him and Mike across the street behind a hedge, and then <laughs> and then well, you've seen the- <laughs> his incredible alien powers. He t- Tele- pulls him behind a hedge, teleport, yeah, drags him behind a hedge. Then it climbs onto Mike's belly and starts pitching him a TV serialization of his life. Mm. He's talking about contracts, options, and other words that mean absolutely nothing to this <laughs> to, film's audience. To children, yeah. It's a sort of parody that is probably passingly amusing to a screenwriter. And no one else. You've got to remember that like the, the audience for this movie think Mickey Mouse is real and, ma- <laughs> and, and magic is real. Yeah. So, like, if anything, you're doing active harm by having a sort of like, ah, hey, you want to be in pictures, don't you? Oh, hey, you guys just stick with old alien. He starts getting into, like, contract talk. He says, I happen to have papers, an option to protect my own time and energy, <laughs> which, again, doesn't mean anything to me. No, no, I don't. Yeah. So Mike does what anyone would do and grabs its eye stalks and shakes them violently around until the yeah. thing is in pain and is upset and portals Stop away. Stop that or I'll fictionalise, says the alien. Don't know what that means. What? So then the alien portals through a little CGI television, Mm -hmm. which is its own portal. All the aliens have themed portals for Uh some stupid reason. (laughs) So anyway, Caitlin unfreezes and finds Mike not there. Uh Uh-oh, this was his last chance, remember? Before Mike can get back to her door and explain that he was teleported away by a... Behind a hedge. By by (laughs) By a a TV 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 executive from space, from beyond the stars. (laughs) 
Um, she goes, she goes in, back inside. She goes inside in a huff. He doesn't. He doesn't like go up and knock on the door and explain no. this. No, he's had or his, even just he's had his last chance. So um, back at home, Mike asks his parents if he's adopted, mm-hmm. and in a long-winded sort of way, they say no. Um, <laughs> th- th- those are my notes on this scene. <laughs> Do you have yeah. anything else to add? Uh, they have a certificate proving that he's human. Um, no, they that's they, it. They don't like show a certificate, do they? they no. Like, no. Yeah, nothing happens. Um, so yeah. we cut to Mike walking along the street again. Gilbert cycles up. Um, he says that uh, Mike is a wreck, but Mike explains the aliens thing again. Gilbert says that his uncle Luther thought that an alien lived in his toilet tank because he was crazy. <laughs> Maybe you are crazy, Mike. Yeah, but Mike says that he's not. They go inside the treehouse, but there is a sudden flash of light. And all of a sudden, five aliens are in the treehouse, all shrieking at once. They include the Bohm lawyer, the Ice Talk alien agent, and a few more. There's kind of a, a blob with a face that you can sort of turn upside down, and it's another face. There's yeah, a Zora. Like, it's like a kind of blue polka dot clown face with a second yep. set of eyes on its chin. There's a Zora head from Zelda. Um, <laughs> yep. And a sentient fish tank that says and does nothing. <laughs> um, so then the, the one with the polka dot clown face starts pitching a kitchen implement called the Jarmonica. Yeah, this alien, of course, has human teeth. Needless to say, its teeth are human. <laughs> so let's hear how this goes. Don't let him dice him up. The point is to dice someone else up. <laughs> Make someone pay. <laughs> hey, the show is just beginning. Look, we'll diversify into merchandising. You'll be Earth's primary franchisee. Silk screen t-shirts. Your we'll face on breakfast cereal yeah, boxes. We'll start go a- out on a date. It would be lots of fun. It must be contagious. I've lost my mind. Just like you. So all the aliens in this galaxy are just trying to sort of franchise and license and sue. Yeah. Except for the fish head The fish head who, who wants yeah. to kiss him and love on him. Here for sexual reasons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Heard through the galactic grapevine that he... There was a new kind of thing to have sex with. <laughs> Well, maybe she heard through the galactic grapevine that he owns a skeleton round now. <laughs> She's be- going to be sorely disappointed. Well, but yeah, because of the because of the distant the speed of light. When the message went out, it was true. Yeah, exactly. And now oh, she arrives, no. like the light of a dying star. His sexual prowess has faded. Because- <laughs> so you're saying I can't have a go on your skeleton roundabout? No. While I'm back off to She's my like- fantastic world beyond the stars. She's a floating head, but like the neck is a starfish. Yeah, it, I was like little tentacles she walks around on maybe, but she's also can float and fly. It's very hard to believe that these were all designed, you know, like of a piece to make yeah. this movie. It, it looks much more like it's, here's what we could find. Yeah, here was, was, was in the dumpster behind Jim Henson's Muppet Workshop. Yeah. <laughs> in a big dumpster marked too upsetting. <laughs> too upsetting for the Muppets. <laughs> Uh, qu- quick fellas Jim Henson's left the too upsetting bin gu- unguarded <laughs> he normally incinerates this at midnight every night but I've paid off I've paid off the incinerator guy and <laughs> fleeing across the parking lot with ups- upsetting puppets under each arm <laughs> well they all have human teeth <laughs> so, it's, so yeah and the, the fact that there's just a fifth one that they haven't bothered to <laughs> give any lines or a voice to. And also, just this around. jar was there. Also, this sort of fish tank guy. So Mike cries out, I'm just one big opportunity for you. Uh, they all insist that Mike is their client. 
except for the fish who just wants to kiss him. Mike and Gilbert flee the treehouse. Yeah. Barnabas, where are you? Says Mike. Um, but Barnabas is nowhere to be seen. We cut to nighttime. Mike has packed a suitcase. I have to face this, he says. I was never meant to live here on Earth. At least in another world, I can make a new life for myself. <laughs> so, he, so he's like, I want to go live with aliens. Then aliens show up and unfortunately they are the most rank like <laughs> sort of like little blobs you can possibly imagine and mike's like well i did say i did, I did, I did say there's say no take, take backsies i did say take me to the stars so mm. i guess i'll go sort of i guess i'll go and expire immediately in the atmosphereless world of yeah. the bones <laughs> anyway caitlin knocks on the door so much for last chance yeah um she brings him a jacket that he left at her house sure she's cross with him though she says first you make more sense than anybody i've ever known in my life then you don't make any sense at all what is going on with you mike you crazy handsome fool she doesn't <laughs> say that last bit but that's sort of the vibe yeah. mike tells caitlin that he's leaving for another planet uh, as he shuffles into the garden to depart earth forever he tells caitlin that he's sorry <laughs> and that yeah, for the first for a while she gave him a feeling that no one else did that he belonged here on earth on earth with your well... humans <laughs> Well, goodbye forever, he says, and trudges off into the backyard. <laughs> Caitlin does not leave for her house, which mm -hmm. is a smart play, but instead or call the police. follows the gang into the backyard. Yeah, the aliens are all leaning out of Mike's treehouse conveniently, so the puppeteers can all be obscured by yeah. the walls. None of They're the all leaning really weirdly around. Yeah. <laughs> They're all leaning really weirdly around the door frame or out of the window. Mike says, let's work it out then. Who's the lucky alien? He's ready to make a deal with one of them. Yeah, they can. he can only make a deal with one of them. He can't be on TV and also sell the Jarmonica. And that also would be have impossible. a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those three things are mutually exclusive. The sex fish says it'll be fun. He can't be on TV and have sex with a fish. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you really can't. <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day society will be ready so um the the whole gang starts bickering again and then oh thank god here's barnabas yeah he teleports in he says he got waylaid by a refugee disaster near alpha centauri yeah very nasty he says <laughs> this sounds yeah. grim mike perks up Nasty, yeah. <laughs> you say. Uh, Caitlin comes out into the back garden. A bright light appears in the treehouse. It's a foad. Run for the hills, shouts the sex fish head. <laughs> and then all the aliens teleport away through their stargates. Because a hellish thoad is apparently here. Uncle mm. Luther was right. We should have listened. Why did they run? A thode? The worst worm is about to crawl out of the can you opened up, Mike Pillsbury. He'll find the choicest specimens and snatch them. And then he'll tell his friends, more and more thodes will come, and more and more specimens will be snatched. That's always my fault. I can't stand it. I never thought the thing would work. If the beam was truly a result of an accident, and not superior intelligence, we could appeal the case, but then... I think we're out of time. What do we do? Oh, no. So the, so the gang runs away from the flashing lights in the treehouse. But who mm -hmm. should blunder into the back garden, impressed by the lights? Yeah. It's little Jay, Gilbert's brother. He thinks it's cool. He runs towards the treehouse ladder, and then a long tentacle snakes around him, and he is snatched. <laughs> the thode has him, cries Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> Thinking he should have saved his money from... <laughs> From the 1970s. <laughs> Barnabas says that there's nothing to be done. Jay is as good as dead. 
It would take an army to catch him. <laughs> he says the Thode is safe so long as he's back on his home planet. Although, says Barnabas, the Thode probably didn't mean to take a little boy. Mm. The Thode will come back and keep coming back until he finds the perfect specimen for his collection. Yeah. At the mention of the perfect specimen, Gilbert and Mike's eyes <laughs> missed up and their, their thoughts immediately turn, of course, to Scott Schreibner. <laughs> so we cut to Gilbert in a pig mask. Pl- <laughs> <laughs> what is it with this film and pigs? <laughs> Gilbert in a pig mask. He places Scott, Scott is asleep in his in his home bedroom in his home where he lives. Gilbert, Gilbert a- <laughs> has broken into the house in a pig- wearing a pig mask and gloves. In a pig mask with rubber gloves on, he places a gloved hand over the mouth of sleeping Scott Schreibner. <laughs> This causes him to wake up and start panicking. <laughs> what? Yeah, what's with that? Gilbert says, don't worry, it's just me. Why did you wear the mask then? <laughs> why, why any of this? Also, what I don't understand is why Gilbert keeps oinking. Because <laughs> he, he, he shows up in the pig mask going like... <laughs> it's not... It's not ex- I feel like... There must have been some sort of like deeper pig theme in an original draft that got cut. Because this, <laughs> yeah, this like the is family not ex- pig farmers or something. This isn't explained why Gilbert dresses. He's like Jigsaw's helper from the Saw movies. And it's like pig mask and robe. It's, like, it's not explained like, what, like why he breaks into his house dressed like this. It's like something you glimpse through a door in the hotel from The Shining. <laughs> it's, he's there to deliver the message that Mike... He says, Mike sent me. He knows that you did the the dance sabotage. He wants to call you out right now. He's waiting and Caitlin's with him. Now, But to deliver this message, he dressed up as a pig and broke into his house. With rubber gloves on and pushes the gloves over Mike's sleeping mouth. So all I can say is that Scott continues to be awesome because um, he's... So Gilbert says, yeah, Mike is waiting. In his back garden. He wants to fight you. At, at presumably 3am. Caitlin's with him and Scott just stands up. He's fully dressed already and he puts on his varsity jacket and he's like, yeah, man, let's go. I'm ready to let's whip go. Mike's ass anytime. Beat his ass. Day or night. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, Scott's cool. Yeah, he's well up for it. So when Scott gets to the yard, Barnabas is there. Mm-hmm. Barnabas says, I should prepare you for the tasks that lie ahead. You're about to see things that will be difficult for your small earthling mind to comprehend. Then Mike and Caitlin say that Barnabas isn't kidding and emerge from behind a bush. They say that they haven't actually summoned Scott here for a fight. <laughs> They've summoned here to be the bait for the fode. Um, <laughs> Scott's like, yeah, man. Scott. <laughs> Scott, Scott's like, Mike, I know we don't always see eye to eye at school, but if... Like whatever you're going through, man, you can talk. You can talk to me. Yeah, Sometimes like, it helps to just get things off your chest. I'm sorry you know? about that IT prank. You know, I feel a lot of yeah. pressure as well. Now that my dad's gone to prison, yeah. <laughs> Since you published his taxes, <laughs> so um, Scott says, "What do you want? You will help us get through the Stargate leading to the Thode planet." Says Barnabas. <laughs> says the talking dog Barnabas through yeah. his lips. Necklace. <laughs> Scott has nothing to What's say about film? about Barnabas. About Malcolm McDowell, the talking lip dog. <laughs> you, uh, so why would says, I be the bait, says <laughs> says Scott. And Mike says, because you were born to be a hero, Scott, and we're on the same side, um, the side of planet Earth. And when he realises that none of this is working, he says, and because I dare you. You're not scared, are you? No way, says Scott. 
uh, aflame with righteous indignation. He says he's in, but what does he have to do exactly? And uh, Mike and Gilbert say, just be yourself. Be perfect. Yep. Just be perfect. Hey, no sweat, says Scott, who is now 100% on board. <laughs> and uh, awesome. They round the corner and see the gl- uh, the glowing light in the treehouse. Scott isn't phased. No, they enter the treehouse and then the Thode Stargate appears as they enter. Um, the Thode senses your presence, Scott. It senses your perfection, <laughs> says Barnabas. <laughs> it's like, I mean, he's just a kid who's good at football. He's good at football. <laughs> He has, like, a $10 haircut from Supercut. <laughs> yeah, like, on the one hand, I don't know what the Thode was expecting, just reaching out of a portal and grabbing the first human. What are the odds that you're going to get the perfect one? But then yeah. similarly, the Thode actually has pretty good luck that the one that he does grab through the portal knows the perfect human, and it's Scott Schreibner. Yeah, so I'm not that perfect, says Scott, but he can't finish that thought as a tentacle smashes into his chest and hurls him across the galaxy. <laughs> uh, the others all jump in after him. Um, and they land on the Thode planet, which luckily has a breathable atmosphere. Now, confusingly, they emerge in a misty wooded area and Scott mm. isn't there. You'd think they'd arrive where the Thode is because that's how portals yep. surely work. No, not this one. But no. So they emerge yeah, in a sort of misty wooded set. Um, the Thode calls it a zoo, says Barnabas, but I believe you would call this planet a prison. Mm. They find a huge fossilised theropod head, which is cool. Yep, and then uh, the sound of one of the monsters from Doom plays. Does um, it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they keep moving. Or is it the one that's um, like... like <laughs> it's, a, oh. it's a screeching hell demon noise. Brilliant. Um, Scott wakes up. Uh, he's He's in the garden from earlier. Um, hey, Pillsbury, big joke, he says. But then he notices that Jay is there. Um, Don't worry, Mike will get us out of here, says Jay. And then uh, Scott realises that it's still light. Um, he looks around and he sees there's a big wall with a viewing hole in it. That's right, it's not Mike's garden at all. It's a habitat in the zoo. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so there's a big concrete wall that borders this fantasy version of Mike's garden with a little glass viewing hatch in the middle of it. Mm. Uh, back to the gang, they move through creeping tendrils and bubbling yeah. pools of alien swamp. The Thodish jungle. It's, yeah, the it's Thodish thick. jungle. Uh, they have to shimmy past a little pool of dry ice with red eyes glowing out of crevices yeah. in the rocks. It's pretty... It's, like, like, when, it's, it's like when they move between zones on the yes, Crystal Maze. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, okay. It is, li- it is so like that, but that's good. That is good. Now, I think that's cool. Yeah. I think this is cool. I would do anything to shimmy around on this set and pretend I was having a Thodish adventure. Um, the camera pans across the skeletal remains of many aliens. Yep. Uh, Caitlin explores. They, they they kind of go like indoors now to the kind of indoor bit. Yeah. Imagine, imagine if you were told that you have to make the visitor centre from Jurassic Park and you only have five minutes and five dollars. Yeah. It's a little bit like that. They come across some orange crystals. Uh, this appears to be some kind of master control for the cages, says respected actor Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> and then they all just sort of wander off from that, even though yeah. the main thing they're trying to do is open the cages. Mm. Where's Scott, says Gilbert. Um, he is the specimen the Thode needs, says Barnabas. By now, <laughs> he must be forever ensconced. So, um, moving on, they find a room that has like lots of little viewing windows in it. Mm-hmm. Um, Caitlin finds an enclosure through which is visible a room that's full of fire. Yeah. She presses a button on a little display uh, and a voice reads out the information on this species. Um, the, Z- the Zonarchs are natives of Beetlejuice, 
uh, it sort of drones on in a similar yeah. manner. Uh, does, what does the, how does the Zonark look like? It's just a sort of fiery... It's like a cacodemon from Doom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, moving on, though, the gang finds another enclosure. Mm. And what's in this one? Why, it's a sad humanoid alien with big pointy ears. That's right. This alien looks peaceful. I just want <laughs> you just want to peel its eyes off. You just you just want to cut its ears off and feed them to it. Yeah, that's right. It's a Hansel. It's a Hansel. Mike's eyes widen. The Hansel j- just sort of looks Peer, peers at him. Just sort of looks sadly at them. The Hansel kind mm. of comes up. Yeah, peers at them like, why do you humans? Why do you humans put us in zoos? It seems to say. Yeah. How did you know, Mike? Says Gilbert. I don't know. Answers Mike. <laughs> I bet Scott and Jay are in a cage. Yeah, I don't know, say the screenwriters. I bet okay. Scott and Jay are in a cage just like this. We've got to get them out. So this is remarkable. They found a Hansel, the creature... Mm-hmm. That, that Mike, that Mike has, has been drawing and writing stories of. Drawing and writing, what's going on? Huge yeah. question mark here in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty unlikely. Which, unless yeah. there was some sort of larger force at play here. Mm, well... Let's oh, let's continue. Isn't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Consider this. They're just isn't. Consider this. Coincidence. <laughs> Consider this. <laughs> it's just a coincidence. Consider this. This film is bad. <laughs> Consider this. He just exactly drew this alien race and called them the right name. <laughs> just and also nailed accident. their whole vibe. Yeah. So, meanwhile, in the human enclosure, Scott is cross. Jay says, "Don't worry." He asks if Scott has ever heard Mike's story about a planet where people are called the Hansels. <laughs> and Scott is like, no, it sounds like the greatest story ever told. Please tell it to me. Please tell it to me. <laughs> then, I'd love to hear it. Then we see the gang, which is a reminder, is Gilbert, Caitlin and Mike. And Barnabas. And Barnabas. So they find the human enclosure and they peer through. But Scott is so engrossed in the great Hansel story that Jay's (laughs) telling him that they don't see them sort of hammering and and banging on the glass. There must be a key, says Barnabas. Caitlin says they they have to break through the glass, but maybe there's a way to open it instead. The Fode must have a key, says Barnabas. Very astute, (gasps) says a voice. That's right, it's the Fode. Dun, dun, dun. He's some guy in a suit. <laughs> it's a balding man in a suit made of shag carpet. He has a glowing red medallion around his neck. Mm. My specimens need my care and protection. Security is all important. You're the Thode? I am indeed. Oh, you were expecting someone much more um, intimidating? <laughs> I assure you, our reputation is wholly undeserved. I only came to help the Pillsbury, as he requested. No, no, you took Jay. He's only a little kid. I did indeed, and I seem to be in possession of still another young human. Oh, but don't worry. They will be quite pampered, and their lifespans will be infinitely longer here than they would be on dangerous old Earth. After all, this is a uh, a sanctuary, not a prison. They deserve to be back home with their own kind. <laughs> you, of all people, should talk, Pillsbury. So, yeah, this this Thode has got Mike banged to rights. That's right, Mike surrendered all rights to Earth's intergalactic privacy. That's right. When he, when he sent his message out into the galaxy. He did. Um, so the Thode implies that he'll be taking even more specimens to be part of his collection. 
Barnabas will be his very first puppy, and he says mockingly. Mm. Then he tries to grab Caitlin with his long with tongue. His tongue. He, yeah. he misses, though, because he <laughs> she moves slightly. Yeah. <laughs> she moves in any way, and the Thode misses and goes, ah! Um, they yeah. all run away, and the Thode undergoes a hideous transformation. Into something with human teeth. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, in the human enclosure, Scott is so engrossed in the story of the, <laughs> in the, story of the Hansels. Yeah. He says, Wow, sounds like Mike made this up about himself, doesn't it? Says Scott, um, shaking his head with a sort of wry smile. Yeah. Uh, how good the story is. Yeah, kinda, says Jay. Cut two, the gang is fleeing from the Thode. The Thode roars and tries to find them. Yeah. It's now a grotesque reptile. It's screaming for them to come out. Yeah, it's a sort of um, Gorn caliber frog man. Frog monster. Yeah. Mike looks up. Uh, maybe we could discuss this, he says. The Thode leaps at him. Where are the others, screams the Thode. They're actually right behind you, says Mike, and they drop a big cage on him. <laughs> <laughs> the others drop a hitherto unseen rope attached to a big hitherto unseen cage that drops onto the Thode and traps it. Yeah. And then and then the the phone sort of stands quietly while they just retrieve the medallion from around his neck. Barnabas says get the key and then Caitlin sort of reaches into the phone. The phone is supposed to be a sort of like thrashing killing machine, right? A very powerful alien. Yeah, it just sort of stands there politely while she unhooks the medallion from around his neck. Imagine if the T-1000 had a key around its neck and you had briefly trapped it in a cage. Yeah, How? or like a, a leopard. Yeah, what do you think your <laughs> like, odds would be of reaching into the cage and taking yeah. it off his neck? Not great, but Caitlin the just does just it like, <laughs> instantly. Oh, I'm in a cage. Um, they run to Scott and Jay, but Mike, even if though... If the bars are big enough for Caitlin's arms to get through, they're big enough for the Thode's <laughs> arms to get through and break everyone's necks. Also, this is the Thode's cage. Yeah. Th- like, if anyone knows the way out of this thing, it's probably the Thode. And they've and Barnabas makes clear that this won't hold the Thode for long. Yeah, not doesn't explain why, but no. So they run to get Scott and Jay, but Mike can't go straight to the human children they're trying to rescue. First, yeah. there's something he has to do. There's something much more important. He st- makes a stop by the sad Hansel. He but how to open the enclosure? And then the Hansel on the other side of the glass looks all sad and closes its eyes <laughs> and goes. <laughs> And appears to be sending a telepathic communication to Mike. Yeah. Mike suddenly knows how the key works. Um, It hums. He holds it aloft. He draws some shapes in the air and then suddenly the cage opens. I wish you could see this Hansel. The cage opens and the Hansel springs out, eviscerating all of them. (laughs) No, not really. He thanks them in sign language and then legs it. And then it, it, it tenderly touches Mike's chin with a hand that's wearing purple ski mittens and sort of bumbles off like a big space bilbo. <laughs> Even I want to crush the Hansels. I am a peaceful I'm, man, but when I see this Hansel, I just... I really want to conquer their, their I really want to conquer this Hansel, I'm sorry. So the gang frees Scott and Jay. Uh, they go and open their enclosure as well. And hilariously, once the gate is opened, they run into the enclosure instead of Scott and Jay running out. Yeah, they all, all of them run, run in. into the enclosure. It's a, it's a good, like, 100 feet across the garden they have to run. What would be so great is if they just closed the gate behind them and was like, <laughs> was like nice. That was, that was easy. <laughs> but no. Um, 
they leave. They've got to make it back to the Thode gate. The Thode is free, is the warning that comes from Barnabas, I think. Yeah, so they start running back to the Stargate. They run past the crystals we saw earlier. Mike stops. Uh, he rubs his his an- amulet all over the crystals <laughs> and opens all of the gates. Uh, there's a sort of cacophony of screaming, like at the end of the cabin in the woods. Yeah, I mean, they don't... Um, as all the cages open at once. <laughs> all the cages open at once, or maybe this is like a sort of emergency incinerator. Yeah, well... Like just, yeah, the feds I mean, here destroy every exhibit. It's clear that, like, a lot of these habitats are really specialised. Like, the thing from Beetlejuice needed, like, a million degree... Habitat to live in. Yeah. So is that thing from Beetlejuice? Yeah, is that thing that... from Beetlejuice is going to wink out of existence or like ignite the atmosphere? Yeah. If there are any more Hansels, every other animal is going into that enclosure to tear them apart. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- they all they all run off. They dive through the gate and land in Mike's backyard. Yay. Um, Mike and but Mike and Barnabas aren't through the gate. Uh, oh no, but then they are through the gate and it's fine. <laughs> they jump through, so it's yeah. okay. But what's this? The Stargate doesn't close. Barnabas says, I'd better call the police. <laughs> <laughs> so Barnabas is like, oh shit, I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> so Barnabas calls the police. Calls the cops. Barnabas calls the cops. We said no cops, Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas styles the space cops, but if the line is busy, <laughs> yes. it's a dangerous universe, he says. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> They've got one phone at the space cops. So and if someone's on it. So Barnabas says, someone's on the internet. Barnabas <laughs> looking at pig clipper. <laughs> so Barnabas oh. says, stall him while he will keep phoning back to the space police. I'm trying to get the space police's one phone. So Mike is faced with the terrifying <laughs> prospect of having to stall the thode until Malcolm McDowell can get through to the space police on his lip phone. <laughs> stall him? You read my entire collection and now you're going to pay! We have to hold out until the intergalactic police arrive. Excuse me, Mr. Thode, sir. Hey, hey, hey! You know what? You're a big creep running around scaring little kids. Well, I have news for you, sir. On this planet, we eat frog legs! So, the Thode is dragging Mike back to the portal. Everyone grabs Mike and pulls him hard in the opposite direction. It's a big tug of war between the gang and uh, the Thode with Mike in the middle. Barnabas is barking. But then out of a police stargate arrives an intergalactic policeman who has a siren for a head. (laughs) I've got hundreds of warrants against you, buddy, he says to the Thode, who is then arrested with handcuffs. (laughs) <laughs> the bohem is there telling the thode to admit to nothing. <laughs> That's not a joke, just to be clear. <laughs> Literally, it's worth it. The thode is there and the bohem is there and the bohem's doing that. So, oh man, I wish you could see this space policeman. <laughs> it's like it's like a child's drawing of, of a space policeman. You know... Um, Coneheads. Yes, yeah, yeah. If yeah, they yeah, yeah. if their cone head was a siren, was like a flashing police light yeah. on top of a cop car. It looks like Robert the robot from Justin's it's, house. It looks so stupid. It's, yeah. Uh, so, so <laughs> it's got a siren on his head. So 
The Thode has been arrested by the space police. <laughs> Barnabas narked. Um, you know, Mike, we really do make a great team, says Caitlin. They tell the alien cop everything as the camera <laughs> pans out into the sky. Yeah. We cut to the football field. It, it's daytime. Mike mm-hmm. is on the bench as a football game gets underway. Barnabas yep. trots up. Yep. He just stopped by to let him know the Federation handed down its ruling. Your initial transmission is being deemed accidental. Yep, Earth is now classified once again as a protected planet under Federation statutes. Of course, now I'll need to painfully wipe your mind. He doesn't He doesn't say that. He no. doesn't wipe his mind at all, just leaves him with all his knowledge. Just the Thode has been sentenced to serve two eons in space prison, and his hostages have been returned to their home planets. Those who weren't torn apart in the melee, I assume. And Mike says, what about the Hansel? Mm. The Hansel, says Barnabas, is safe and grateful. But, and then Barnabas says, there's one bit of unfinished business, and you, the viewer, lean in, waiting to find out how Mike, who believed himself to be human, had secret knowledge of the Hansel aliens. Mm-hmm. But no. And Barnabas says, here's my unfinished business. Do you want to come back to my home planet with me? Do you want to come and live with me on the dog planet? On You'd Pip- be happy. Pippin the could... dog planet, or whatever it was called. You could take a dog wife and <laughs> live on... Live on puppies with me. <laughs> You'd be happy on the planet where everyone is a dog and you're not. <laughs> You'd be happy there. Don't worry, you can talk to all of us. We all have human lips on necklaces. Well, no, that's just me, so I can communicate right, with humans. Okay, yeah, everyone else is just a barking dog. Everyone else is just barking incomprehensibly. We all speak with the voice of Malcolm McDowell. You'd love it. We've got all kinds of dog food. <laughs> Um, so, but Mike considers carefully considers um, moving to a planet where everyone is a dog and living out his days as a dog and taking a dog wife and raising puppies. But he decides that no, Earth is my home. And while it may not always feel like it, it's where I belong. Read, I have a girlfriend now. <laughs> so I don't want to live on a planet of dogs. I have a girlfriend now. I no longer want to go to the dog planet. Mm. Uh, Malcolm McDowell, uh, the respected star of stage and screen, says, Many here who feel out of place point their heads down, but not you, Mike Pillsbury. You look to the stars. Remarkable. And then the conversation gets weirdly sexual. (laughs) Then he he makes it weird. (laughs) He says, if you wish, you may scratch me behind the ears. Uh, He does. And Barnaby, sorry, Barnabas... um, it climaxes. <laughs> yeah, we hear Malcolm McDowell sort of humming and moaning um, in scratched, <laughs> scratched pleasure. Um, that, once he's spent, he says, <laughs> that was delightful, Mike Pillsbury. You've shown me there's something to be said about the right type of personal contact. I will tell my people. <laughs> tell my Goodbye, people. Barnabas. I'll never forget you, says Mike. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> obviously... <laughs> Oh my god! I can't believe how I can't believe how did this. Like, as a sort of end to an alien film, there's something so sacred about the goodbye. I'll never forget you moment. And what's happening here is this Malcolm McDowell dog with human lips on a necklace. It's like just been sort of scratched, <laughs> scratched behind the ears and gone like scratched to completion. Scratch to completion. <laughs> And they've been like, goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Mike. Mike fools me. You look to the stars. I have to go now. My home planet needs me. 
<laughs> and then and then Barnabas, Barnabas <laughs> runs away, and then even though they've just said goodbye, Mike gets up and sprints after him. Yeah. But Barnabas vanishes into the doghouse portal. A CGI, yeah, a CGI dog kennel appears in front of the entire football crowd, clearly <laughs> visible. <laughs> uh, and Barnabas vanishes. And then Mike uh, goes to play f- football. Yep. And Dad in the stands yells, that's my boy. And Mike says, I guess I am. Mm-hmm. And then the movie ends with Mike getting hurt very badly. Yeah. Uh, he again. gets sacked and killed by the opposition <laughs> team and his own team. Scott asks why he stays on the team. It's where I belong, says Mike. Dream on, says Scott. And then Mike says, I will dream on, Schreibner. You bet I will. Yep. <laughs> and Caitlin is doing a go Mike cheer on the side. Yep. S- Scott offers a hand and pulls Mike up. He puts an arm around his shoulder, takes him back into the game, uh, even though he has clearly has a lot of concussion and CTE. Well, that means nothing. Yeah. And as the two boys clasp hands and get back to their game, the camera pans out, inspiring music swells, and what the actual f*** was up with the handle. <laughs> I mean, seriously. He, he was a peaceful man who's, I don't know. <laughs> who just, by sheer, coi- sheer coincidence. Uh, uh, like, it's it's not hard, because all, all the way through the first half of the movie, Mike is like, I feel like I'm not human. Is it possible I'm an alien? And then he finds definite proof that, that like, he has prior knowledge of this alien species. The hand, yeah, there's, the, the there's, peaceable it's Hansels. impossible that he would have coincidentally come up with the Hansels. No one would invent a society as boring as the Hansels. No, there's no way. There's no way. And it is not mentioned at all. We don't see Mike transform th- into a Hansel at the end. We don't see... He does... All he would need to do <laughs> is say to Barnabas, I know I'm from the stars, but yet my home is here on Earth. Anything. When, anything. when the Hansel comes out of the of the case, the Hansel who is telepathic. Yeah. I was like, oh, here we go. All it needs is like a line of dialogue here where the Hansel like projects some thoughts into his mind and is like, you this is not Hansel the like me. This is not the first time our minds have touched Mike Pillsbury across the galaxy. You are not in fact a warring human. You are. It doesn't my even have son. to be that. It's, it doesn't even have to be that. It could just be like. I have projected my thoughts across the galaxy for many years, and I've met your mind before, Mike Pillsbury. That is how you know of us Hansels. Anyway, bye. Yeah, you are human. We Hansels love your stories. Our telepathic yep. link stretches across the stars. We did, well, we're a little, a little iffy in your stories. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the Hansel child murder in them. Mike Pillsbury, what the f***? <laughs> You're Mike Pillsbury. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, Jesus Christ! This guy's a real sicko, everyone. <laughs> Your comics were banned in our school. Um, yeah, so that doesn't make you any. You're the forbidden author. <laughs> it's, it's. Very, I feel like every decom has something like this—an omission so massive that you just cannot fathom how it happened. Like it's such a. It seems such a core part of the story to go unexplained. Yeah. It's like the whole inciting incident. He sees this. He sees this Hansel, and he like he's like, "Oh my god, I know what it's that is." Thing. It's a Hansel. Gilbert turns to him and he's like, "Mike, how did you know?" How and Mike did you goes, know? "I don't yeah. know." He says to Mike, "How did you know?" Mike says, "I don't know," and the screenwriters say, "I don't know," <laughs> and the screen and the screenwriter says, "I don't know." Screenwriter, screenwriter says, like. Nice. Explained that. Do you know when you write a happy birthday sign and you do the beginning letters too big? And mm-hmm. you start to run out of space as you get yeah. to the end of birthday. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you reckon the last few scenes of this movie were on like one big sheet of card and written really big was, Mike, that's a Hansel. Yeah. How could this be? I don't know. And then, oh, hang on. What's this? I've only got a few centimetres of card left. Um, uh, nothing. Uh, um, then he, scratch then me he just... to completion, Mike Middlesbury, <laughs> says Barnabas. You look to the stars. The end. The end. <laughs> Is, but... So the Hansel looks exactly like the drawings that Mike did as well. He's yeah. got like he's got the name down, mm-hmm. he's got the nature of their species, he's got an exact drawing of them. I there's 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 nothing. And it would nothing. it would take so little. You don't have yeah. to show a Hansel transformation. No. Nope. You just just you, you just have to acknowledge even if they didn't resolve it, even if it ended with Mike saying, "Well, I guess I still have many questions mm. about myself." And the Hansels? Mike Hansel, I am an intergalactic traveller. Many years ago, I came to your planet and I came into your bedroom. You don't remember all of it, but <laughs> I was there. And that's how you know of us Hansels. Anyway, bye. I don't know anything. I told you a particularly distressing story. <laughs> it's anything. Anything other than I don't know. End of explanation. <laughs> end of film. And then to have Barnabas be like, but there's one more thing we have to discuss, Mike Pillsbury. Dot, <laughs> dot, dot. Do you want to come live on the dog planet? Off. Oh, no, yes, that. <laughs> come and live with me on the dog planet, where you'll be hopelessly ill-suited to everything. <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. you like that? You won't be able to drive a dog car. <laughs> or speak to a dog. All of the dog movies will, will make no sense to you. <laughs> Puppets. God's sake. <laughs> and it's like the puppy's planet is just dogs. Yeah. But then there's another planet that's just lawyers. <laughs> oh. oh, it is just it's just it's rubbish. A disaster. <laughs> you know, we still we started this saying, you know what, this one hangs together all right. But actually, actually, now that I think about it, it, I'm I'm furious. <laughs> really angry. <laughs> Fuming. Um, oh, the lack of effort. I know. I mean, to be fair, to be fair to Can of Worms, they didn't know that we would be recapping it the week that Disney mm. attacked us. Annoyed us, yeah. yeah. You know what? It is ad- adapted from a book. Is it? Okay. So, it, so maybe this could all were, be the fault of the original author. They could have been constrained by the author's vision. Yeah. Or, more likely, the author saw the movie and was like, what? <laughs> that, <laughs> that's, not what I, that's not what I said. I'm going to look up the book. Can of Worms book by Kathy McKell. Oh wow, it's got a cool cover. Mm. I tell you what, the cover has it's got on more it. than four aliens yeah, on it. Got, yeah, it's covered in different types of alien. Mike Pillsbury is stunned when his SOS to the universe is answered by a motley crew who have all responded with ulterior motives. Three reviews, five stars across the board <laughs> from three reviews. Although, yeah. although no one has written anything has anyone reviewed mm-hmm. it on goodreads Ooh, the goodreads score is not so glowing surely someone's reviewed this let me begin with why i read this book <laughs> okay always a good start um everyone's talking about the decom uh jackie reviews it says duh um <laughs> but i know eight to ten year old kids will enjoy it <laughs> all right well i mean it is a kid's book so this book is well written and fun to read Mark Pillsbury writes with humour and passion, uh, says Forrest, who I think is, I think is confused 
He's, well, he's got the name of the protagonist wrong and also thinks the protagonist wrote the book. Let me read you this four-star review from 2009. Mike Pillsbury has always felt like an alien from another planet. When life on Earth becomes too much, he sends out an intergalactic call for help. To his mild surprise, several interesting creatures come to <laughs> mild his rescue. surprise. <laughs> Uh, that's not a review. Alien. That's a synopsis. That's a synopsis. Well, how about how about this review from Ben Ten? His father calls him Buck. He plays for a football team at Ashby Middle School. Five stars. <laughs> Matt M. I liked it. The book was weird because it was about worms, and it used. <laughs> no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Hang on, hang on. The book was weird because it was about worms, and it used basketball in it. No, it didn't. It was American football and there were no worms in it. This is a wild review to give a kid's book. Listen, so far the book is good. <laughs> so far? How long is this? Just finish the damn book. Jordan reviews that ending. <laughs> that ending, man. Okay, there's a whole uh, review here which lists out the differences between the movie and the book, but it's really long and I'm not going to read it. Uh, <clears throat> a highlight from the introductory paragraph. Some of the book-based e-coms have places you can go to find out what the differences are, but no one cares about this movie, so no one has really cared to look into the differences in this one. <laughs> cool. Cool. Good to know. Hey, Andy, can I yeah. blow your mind? Sure. Thank you, Goodreads, by the way. How about this from Kathy McKell? From the horse's mouth, Mike Pillsbury, number three. What? It's what? Yes. There's, it's a, a series. There's at least three Mike Pillsbury books. From the horse's mouth, so he... Yeah. He sends out a message to horses. Oh my god, and this one's this one's about Nick. Nick Thorpe ends up only a few <gasps> Nick Thorpe ends up a few hours into the future. He can't touch anything. Nothing moves. He can't step back into the real world until time catches up with him. That's Gilbert. Yeah, right? yeah, that's Gilbert. Yeah, yeah. At last he finds out that a horned horse Zephyr is running through her, what? searching for something. Just right. Following the Zephyr are the fire-spitting Conflagrons, the perfectly evil Draconians, and everyone's worst nightmare, a slimy born attorney armed with... Oh, my God. Oh, it's the... The the friggin' bomb. Boom. The the bomb, but they're the born born in this. Wow. Well... Okay, we've got to stop reading Goodread reviews of Can of Worms. And the other one is called Eggs in One Basket. Okay, I don't even want to know what that is about. It sounds horrible. Yeah. They want man. Okay. My favourite part was when they had no school. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's quite sweet. Okay. So there you go. That was Can of Worms. Mm-hmm. Mm, not a fan. Um, right. Andy, <laughs> not great. Andy, can I read you an email? Yes, please. I want to read you one email in particular, but before I do that, I want to thank everyone who wrote in to explain baseball. Thank you. Um, that sounded sarcastic, but it wasn't, especially because so many people explained the swing. Oh, that was, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. Turns out, if you're wondering, the explanation is it's just a distraction. Uh It's just a sort of... It's just going... Miss it! Miss it! Miss, 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 miss. So that's good. That's good. We know that now. Mm-hmm. And thank you everyone also who wrote in to say after the Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off episode to say that they were in a food fight. Um, you've all... Sh- you've. Sh- it turns out, wow, a lot of food fights have happened and they all sound terrible. Some of you sent in photos of the aftermath of the food fights. Um, it. I mean, yeah, most people were agreeing that it sounds absolutely awful. But I want to read this email from Charlotte, who writes, A 200-person full-on food fight experience was as disgusting as you can imagine. 
Picture the scene, a large corporation moving location from one central London building to another. On the last day of tenancy, we had a huge lunchtime event for everyone to come and share anecdotes from their time in said building. It was very emotional. There was lots of wine. We didn't want to say goodbye. There was also, inexplicably, a massive buffet lunch provided that included, amongst other things, mashed potato, jelly, and, because why not at this point, big bowls of prawn cocktail, not forgetting condiments such as ketchup and salad cream. I thought the menu looked sus AF. It was so outside our norm, the norm being beautifully considered and healthy eating options. Imagine my horror then. And, Charlotte, I don't mind telling you that my, my blood froze in my veins <laughs> when I read this. Imagine my horror then when a flash mob of employees in boiler suits started a huge food fight to the backing track of So Long Farewell from The Sound of Music. It's un unbelievable. It's unthinkable. I assume they're all in jail now, but it... I can't. I don't... It doesn't bring peace. <laughs> no. You couldn't escape it. There was nowhere to run. We were all pinned in. The unluckiest of us were in the middle of long communal benches. After what felt like a lifetime, probably no more than two minutes, not an inch of the place went unscathed. People were crying, not because of the wine. Everywhere you trod, more food was compacted into the carpet tiles. The oh windows smeared from 400 hands trying to find a way out of the terror. The stench <laughs> of vinegar and sadness in our nostrils. It was like something out of a budget Clockwork Orange sequel. So utterly horrifying, jarring and bizarre. I lived an hour away by train and will never recover from the stares and genuine concern for my well-being that I was attracting from A, my clothes crunching under the sheer weight of secondhand dried mashed oh, potato no. and salad cream, and B, my screaming, having found a prawn in my handbag. That Charlotte, is so rough Charlotte, to listen that's, to. That's, I'm, so, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Um, thank you for sharing it with us. That is the most frightening story I've ever read. Yeah, um, and you've heard all of Mike Pillsbury's Hansel I have, stories. Yeah, and I've heard I've heard the Hansel saga. <laughs> Flash mob of employees. Is there a more cursed sentence? Oh my god. Oof. Okay. Andy. Yes. What decom are we going to scrape out of the <laughs> somehow yeah. watch what? divine with a Ouija board? Yeah. What decom are we going to yeah, read in the stars next? Great question. Maybe someone in America with a big mirror could reflect us, a sort of yeah. light pattern. Projected onto the clouds. Yeah, yeah, projected onto the clouds. Andy, mm -hmm. what, do, what will it be? Next time, we will be recapping Going to the Mat, the 2004 Andrew Lawrence vehicle. Yes, Lawrence brother! Jake is a talented musician and also blind. When his family moves from New York to Utah, he must find another hobby which will help him make friends. He discovers wrestling is one of the few sports where blind people compete on the same level as sighted ones, so becomes a wrestler. As his team improves, he learns valuable lessons about himself. <laughs> Sorry, it sounded like there was a bit more to that. No, no, that's it. <laughs> he learns valuable lessons about himself. I mean, I've got to say, I don't feel like I need to watch it now. That was a, that was, I mean, yeah, I'm there. What yeah, a, Andrew Lawrence wrestling movie. Andrew, that what a summary. Yep. It's a Lawrence brother, folks. A special treat for you all. Going to the mat. Uh, just enjoy it easily if you're in America. Yeah. If you're not, enjoy it hardly. hardly. Yeah. Think of us. Yeah. That's what I would say. I haven't even checked if it's on the UK now. It probably won't oh, they be. Took all the, they took all the good ones off. Yep. Yep. We're all gone. Heartbreaking. All we've got left is bloody Marnie. <sighs> I'm, too, I'm too annoyed to do any sort of fun outro now. All right. Well, um, uh, oh, oh, great. Commode. I can't even... 
Don't, don't, do it. don't, don't even do sending, it. Sending my Every time I try and do something the... fun, you know all I can picture <sighs> is the USS Constitution. Yeah, sending a rippling broadside into Disney Plus's service. Yeah, the HMS Guerrier sinking into the foam along, well, along with Britain's false image did, of its own naval superiority. Why did Disney keep all their servers on the HMS Guerrier? <laughs> yeah, that's for tax purposes. International yeah. waters. <laughs> floating in the English Channel. <laughs> Easy prey, sitting fat and low in the water for, for American privateers. Easy prey for, yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, a wealthy merchantman. Don't mind if we snap. Oh, what's this? What's on, what's on here? Oh. MP4 yeah, it's Brink. A, it's a thumb drive with Brink on it. <laughs> Throw it to the ocean, lads. <laughs>